I know. Well, good evening, supervisors. Good evening, staff. Good evening, Loudoun. I'd like to call to order the July 12, 2023 Loudoun County Board of Supervisors public hearing. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, please put your hearing aid to the telecom mode. If you need a headset, we have those available as well. Please see the clerk to request one. Would everyone please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? Okay, supervisors, this is the first night, first public hearing where we are using the new rules um, of, of that, that we voted on because of the new law enacted by the General Assembly. So I might be a little light on my feet because this is the first time I'm doing this. And so I may look to Mr. Rogers um, to, to make sure I'm, I'm straight, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing, but if I, if I need to get some help, I will, and just be, have, uh, be patient with me if you don't mind. As a reminder to all members of the public, um, if you are addressing the board this evening, you may only um, sign up to speak on one item on matters that are before the board for our public hearing. Due to the broadcast delay, any members of the public who are not in the boardroom wishing to address the board on items two, 
3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 11, or 12, which are on the consolidated hearing agenda, please call the number that is scrolling across your screen at this time. All members of the public who have signed up to speak will be allotted two and a half minutes. If you're in the boardroom, when we ask you, when your name is called, please come to the podium. State your name for the record. The timer on the podium will indicate um, how long you have to uh, speak. When your time is uh, up, please yield the floor to the next speaker. If you're providing comments via phone, I'm going to ask you, if you're going to be on the phone, to use your own stopwatch, your cell phone, or something to track your time. Because um, I don't want to, I don't stop people when they get like at 30 seconds because it throws you off and you and you kind of miss where you are. But I will stop you when you get to two and a half minutes, and so you cannot see our our, our timer on your screen if you're on your phone. So please uh, put yourself on your own timer. When taking public input for items, I will first ask if there's anyone in the boardroom wishing to speak. Then I will go to the moderator and ask if there are any people via the telephone. Um, and please note that there is a slight delay between the broadcast and the boardroom. Today's uh, moderator is Andy. Um, pause, Andy, can you hear us, sir? Yes, I can. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, supervisors, tonight is the night that we actually have um, two public hearings to start with jointly. First is the, well, it's, we, we opened the public hearing, but we also opened the public hearing for the Virginia Department of Transportation um, item for consideration, which is really just one item. Um, it's the secondary road six-year plan for FY 2024 construction improvement priority list 2011 to 2022 countywide. Um, um, if you are um, here today and you want to regard want to speak regarding this item, if you've not already done so, please see the clerk to sign up right now. Um, um, if when I will call you when it is your turn, and the way I do it is, if you're in the boardroom while public speaking is still going on, if you get in under that wire, I will absolutely let you speak. But if we start um, debating the the actual issue, but at that point, I won't I won't call for speakers anymore. So if you do want to speak, please sign up right now. Um, the first thing we're going to do is ask Susan Glass and Nancy Boyd from Capital and Infrastructure to introduce everyone at the table and um, uh, to do a presentation. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I'm Susan Glass from the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Sitting to my right is Lou Moserak. And we have Kim McCool from VDOT, Nancy Boyd, and Sunil Tauri also from VDOT. So tonight's item, uh, we do not have a presentation. We're just going to be referring to the item itself. Um, the secondary road six-year plan is presented to the board on an annual basis at a joint public hearing with VDOT. It allocates state funding from the Highway District Grant Program, which are to be used for improving unpaved roads that carry over 50 vehicles per day. And we also... Um, the second page of the plan, which is part of attachment one, establishes a priority order for paving the roads that have been previously selected by the board. Historically, the board has directed that the secondary road six-year funds are to be used to hard surface roads under VDOT's Rural Rustic Road Program. That program provides um, for hard surfacing of gravel roads within the existing right-of-way without having to adhere to specific design standards. 
and it maintains the rural character of the roadside. It's a practical approach uh, to paving that preserves the rural nature of the roadway. Other improvements could be constructed using the district grant unpaved funds. However, that would require engineered solutions which do not have the same flexibility that the Rural Rustic Road Program offers. The most recent plan that was adopted last year on June 15, 2022, the FY 2023 to 2028 plan, um, at that meeting, we received direction from the board to program Goshen Road and Hogback Mountain Road in that order for this plan that's before you tonight. The previously adopted plan also programmed money to pave Cochrane Mill Road as the next road to be paved in FY 2024. As we began working on the plan, we realized that Luckstone, who owns several parcels along Cochrane Mill Road, had submitted rezoning applications to redevelop their property. So based on the intensity of their proposed uses, staff is recommending deferring the paving of Cochrane Mill Road until those applications are acted upon by the board. And that delay is reflected in this plan. So by postponing Cochrane Mill Road, it allowed us to advance the improvements that the board previously directed. Um, so that's to pave uh, Goshen Road and Hogback Mountain Road. It also presented an opportunity for us to program additional roads for paving. And the plan that is before you this evening uh, reflects the proposed paving of portions of three roads, John Wolford Road, Old Wheatland Road, and Canby Road. I would like to point out to you that attachment two in the item provides cost estimates that were previously requested by various board members for you know, potentially paving roads. Those roads are not on the list to be paved. Those are just cost estimates for your information only. Uh, the first road I would like to discuss is John Wolford Road, which is in the uh, Blue Ridge Election District currently. Ms. It's Glass, can I stop you and ask you a, a, a question that might help before we all go on? When you say pave, you're not talking about the, the process that we colloquially call pave in place. You're talking about paving the road, correct? Mm -hmm. No, it's probably closer to pave in place. Okay, pave can you do me a favor and, 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 des and describe what pave in place versus what paving is? Because I don't think everyone knows that. Okay. And I don't know if everyone knows that we're talking about pave in place. And I'm not even sure if everyone even calls it pave in place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure, I'll. I'll try and answer that. Um, under the Rural Rustic Road Program, when we are talking about paving roads, we do um, a full pavement section, if you will. We do have base material with asphalt on the top. So that's what we're referring to when we, when we talk about paving these roads. Um, there are um, other, you know, less uh, thick pavement sections that, that can be done, but when we've done these roads in the past, we've done the full pavement section. Um, due to longevity, we can get, you know, at least we'd like to get 20 years out of these pavements before we need that, to go back. And that's what you're discussing for these roads? Correct. Right? I just want the level set to make sure everyone, we're all talking about the same thing. Okay, thank you. Very and much. I'd like to add that it's typically done within the existing footprint of the road, the existing right-of-way, and it doesn't it, typically, it does not involve taking down trees. Um, Correct. And we're, we're essentially paving 
what what is gravel today will be replacing with a hard surface pavement. But we won't one more time a little louder. Excuse me. What what is you would see gravel to the road today? We would be replacing that with our pavement section, but it's not wider um, or anything else like that. Doesn't it doesn't widen the footprint or take out trees? Correct. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to be sure everyone was talking on the same page, or singing on the same page, or whatever it's called. Thank you. Uh, all right. So over in the Blue Ridge District, there's a short segment of John Wolford Road that's located on the west side of Berlin Turnpike Route 287, and it's like a gap between two paved sections. So that is presented. Um, it's a section between Creek Point Place and Plank Court. Additionally, uh, the Catoctin District received a petition that has 112 signatures to pave Old Wheatland Road. Um, that was presented by a resident of Old Wheatland Estates. Um, the item per currently proposes to pave the section between Verts Lane and Milltown Road. There's a that uh, Old Wheatland Road currently has two sections of pavement, one coming off of Route 9, and it goes to Blue Ridge, uh, Bluebird Ridge Lane, and then there's a segment on the eastern end that is paved between Milltown Road about a, a little less than a mile or, or so. Uh, the Old Wheatland Estates is a by-right development that has uh, about 75 homes. The developer there paid it, the county a cash contribution of $612,000 in 2010 to be used for paving the road. Um, the funds have been earning interest. The current balance is a little over $680,000. Um, staff has received three letters of opposition to paving this segment of road. Uh, that was from the Waterford Cit Citizens Association, the Waterford Foundation, and the Heritage Com Commission. They're concerned about the potential of uh, cut through traffic and preserving the county's historic rural road network and the potential impact that paving the road may have on the Waterford preserving the landmark project. Um, so, that's on there. Uh, Canby Road is the other road that is proposed to be paved. That road is currently paved between East Colonial Highway. It's about a half a mile up to um, the top of the ridge. And then the pavement stops. The request that came in from a resident there is to extend the pavement past Longview Crest Place, which is a length of approximately 300 feet. And I note that staff has received four letters of opposition from residents along Canby Road who um, are concerned about the impact that paving Canby Road would have. Uh, if the board, I, I would also like to point out that the plan that's presented to you tonight has about $3.7 million of funding that's available to be programmed in the future in fiscal years 26, 27, and 28 for any other roads that you all would like to have paved. Um, and finally, included in the item is a report that is uh, the gravel road maintenance report. That's uh, for your information only. We would just like to point out that the district grant unpaved road funds 
cannot be used for maintenance. They can only be used for um, capital improvements. Uh, I will also note that we did receive, as we were preparing the plan, a request from the Catoctin, or excuse me, Algonquian District for paving the eastern segment of Potomac Drive. However, we could not include that in the plan because the road only has about 20 trips per day and it does not meet the minimum qualification of 50 trips per day to receive the funds from the secondary road six-year plan. Uh, VDOT previously estimated that it'll cost $250, excuse me, $250,000 to pave that section of road. Um, Mr. Beckman said, I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if the county does desire to um, pave that section of road, we you could appropriate funds for VDOT to do so. Okay. You're good? Yes, All right, good. supervisors, um, we have quite a few speakers, but before we do that, we're going to ask any questions that we may have of staff. If you have questions, please turn your light on. I'm going to go to Mr. Kirshner first, because a lot of this is in, is in his district. <laughs> a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, staff, for um, everything you've done on this. Thank you for meeting with me. I want to thank all the groups who I've met with over the last couple of months discussing these roads. I've been out driving rural rustic roads. Um, and dirt roads for the last uh, month or so, looking at everything, trying to make a best decision. I know there's there's really kind of two competing, um, there's really two kind of competing things, and I got a couple questions for staff. The competing things as I see it through basically are the concerns for safety, the residents cut through, and speed, and then of course the second areas, uh, the rural character, and, and, and sometimes they are competing, so we're trying to make the best decision we can up here. The question I have for staff, and Susan, Susan you mentioned a couple of things. Um, First of all, you mentioned the letters, the three letters you got in opposition. Did you get letters in support of the of the Wheatland paving, of the portion of it? I did not receive any letters other than the um, petition that was submitted to your office uh, from Mr. Osterich. Okay, and was that have signatures on it? How many yes. signatures? Yes, sir, 112. 112 signatures from residents that use that road off from that road yes it appears to be residents in the old wheatland estates subdivision as well as the adjacent uh rosemont farm which is also known as trevor hill okay one of the questions i know i discussed for you and i think would be helpful for my colleagues is if you hard sir and i use hard surfacing because paving can mean different things but if you hard surface a portion of a road you can, you can also put different coverings on it, and maybe that's a, a, a VDOT question or whatnot, but you can put different coverings on it, and we've done that before. I think there's a section out of Ogbeck, more, what would might be more commonly known as chip and tar. Can you speak to that? That would kind of help preserve some of the rural feel? Sure, I'll take that, thanks. Um, you're correct on Hogback Mountain. Uh, what we did some years back, it was actually with the Research Council, and they did a section there where they did what we call FDR for a base material, where we strengthened the base, and then we put um, a thinner layer of asphalt on top that mimics more of a tar and chip. It has, um, it, it has more of a gravel look and feel as you drive on it. Uh, they actually did three different slightly different mixes of that during that test section to see how they would uh, perform. Would that, would that type be eligible 
to be used on, for example, Wheatland Road if we were to approve this? Sure. We can look at doing different types of surfaces. We, As I said, we did the base material, the FDR, which gives us the strength, and then um, we can definitely work with you on um, what that surface material might look like. Okay. Uh, and, and we also, um, in I believe it was 2021, we also did Nixon Road, which has a similar look and feel as well, and we did that under the Rural Rustic Road Program. Okay, thank you. I'm out of time. Thank you, Mr. Kirsten. You know what, Supervisors, I should have um, taken the consolidated agenda before we did this item because it would have cleaned the room out. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, since we're in the item, I'm going to keep going, but it, it would have cleaned the room out had I done the consolidated agenda next. I looked out and I was like, what's Ricky Keach doing here? Then I realized <laughs> the consolidated agenda, and so that was an oversight on my part. I actually had planned to do that and forgot. I apologize. You have to sit here and now listen to very, very fascinating road conversations, <laughs> but I apologize for that. Um, Mr. Letourneau? Thank you. Well, hopefully my questions are a little bit uh, easier. Uh, I am very, very excited that Goshen Road was able to be accelerated. Uh, we've been fighting to get that as part of the program, and um, now we're going to be able to move it up uh, in the list as kind of the first ro road to go. I just did want to ask, kind of under the best case scenario, when do you think the earliest that the road could actually be paved is provided the board takes action tonight? So after tonight's action, the funding will be assigned to that road and we will have, we will have access to the funding to start, initiate our investigation of the road that we need to do. And what we need to do, we have procured a, a contractor, we have on board, uh, that was procured very recently. So after we do the investigation and we have to take care of some of the environmental and other things that we have to do to get it prepared before we give it to the contractor. And given where we are today in, in the year, uh, after we give it to the contractor is when we will know what the contractor can or cannot do. But certainly these other investigative um, items can be started once we have access to the funds. So, do you, I mean, do you do think that next year is a, you know, reasonable? It, it, it could very well be. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Sunil. And I would just emphasize whatever else happens with every other road, I want to make sure that we leave here tonight at least having advanced this one so that they can get started with that funding allocation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Uh, Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, when would this all be happening? If, if you get the funding and it's approved and all that. T timeline. Um, as far as Goshen Road, um, the, the, the funding is, is, we have the funding, we just need your approval. Oh, okay. Basically okay. in order to, 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 this is your priorities and this is what you'd like us to get started working on. So we've done some preliminary steps, but we haven't um, like done the soil borings. We haven't spent any money yet on these roads. So it, after we receive your approval, it, it's basic, it's there. There's just some administrative tasks we need to do. Okay, so end of the year or next year? Um, for, for Goshen Road, we would could start on those administrative tasks right away. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, what I'm getting at is, if if we can find funding for the Potomac uh, stretch in my district, could it be done at the same time? Like, I, I, maybe I should have just asked that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, I'm wondering if we have to align the funding to get it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, it, 
if, if funding was found outside of the secondary six-year road program for Potomac, um, that's a little different. We haven't set that project up yet, but it is a smaller project, so it, okay. it wouldn't. It's something we could approach our contractor with and talk to him about scheduling okay. it and things like that and how we. But I'm hearing it would be kind of separate, it. be kind of a separate thing then. It would. If I okay. can okay. add to what Kim is saying, is that because the funding will come from the county to us, there is an additional step we have to do is okay. set up an okay. agreement to receive the. I got price. it. I got it. So it'll I'm be good. next year earliest where we can. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. Um, and then VDOT maintains them once the paving is done. Okay. Um, and. Uh, on, on the charts or on the graphics, there was a red line and then sometimes a blue line. Is the blue line the already paved part or is that part gonna stay gravel? The red denotes what section would be paved. The blue is coming off the county's mapping system. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I mean, I, you know, I, I'll follow the district supervisors leads on on how they want to handle it in their own district but um, one thing I did do on this I got a little bit nervous because I know ex2 adventures does the gravel grinder in the county and so I checked with them to to make sure that we weren't hard surfacing any of the gravel grinder roads <laughs> and also um, Potomac uh, Potomac Heritage Trail Association I know that they're kind of have their eyes on some gravel roads for some routing through the county and they also said that none of the roads being considered at least right now are any of those roads that they've been looking at for for trails so thank you thank you madam chair mr. Turner thank you, madam chair um, there's seven criteria to establish a rural rustic road, and the seventh criteria is the citizens who live along the road should support the improvement. Can you, you may have already done it, can you describe for me the mechanism whereby you determine that the citizens who live along the road approve the changes? Well, we have the petition from the folks on Old Wheatland Road. Did, was that, did we initiate and ask for that, or did they preemptively take the petition themselves they, and then they ask took for the, the initiative to go out and get the signatures and i believe provided it to supervisor kirshner's office do we know how many people live on the road if it's a thousand then that's only a 10 percent petition so again what's the mechanism that we determine majority of the people that live on the road and want the change Supervisor Turner, I, I think you're um, inquiring as to whether we poll the area, in the, and, and we don't. We haven't as a rule. Um, typically, we've re, uh, relied on the public process that we've done every year in putting together the list and through this public hearing process to try to solicit um, that's, input. And that's what I'm getting at. So there's no formal mechanism. So presumably, we go through the public uh, uh, announcement process, Correct. and then we assume that that we're going to hear from people who either a support it or b oppose it through that public process um and then the presumption is if we don't hear anything then the majority of people who live on that road approve of the change that's historically how we've done it correct okay um it's, that's interesting because it seems to me that's a pretty important criteria um and i only thought about it because i have seen some of the emails um, and then I just want to say that I used to have a house on the outside of uh, Waterford. I wasn't in the village, but I went down to a meeting in the village, and I know that we recently, I recently in the last, I don't know what, three or four years, improved the road that runs through downtown Waterford in the village. 
the road used to be level with the, the, the side of the road on each side, and now with the base and the asphalt, it's at least a one-foot drop-off from that road on either side with no markings, no curbs, which strikes me as not optimum. Um, it's easy to drive off the side of that road and down a one-foot drop-off on the side of that road. And the, the only reason I bring that up, I'm not, I don't want to try and go back and, and rehash that, but I would be highly sensitive to how we improve these rural rustic roads. Um, I'm not sure slapping down a foot of asphalt is the way to go on some of these rural rustic roads. You guys know your job obviously better than I do, but, but I, I was struck by that. I thought... I don't know if this is the way I would have re improved this, this Waterford Road this way. Supervisor Turner, if I may. Um, yeah. So just a couple of points I'll make about the community of Waterford. Um, I wouldn't say that the way that that road at that location or those roads and how they've been paved would be um, how they would be paved in the rural areas. Uh, there are a couple of different things that they were dealing with, one of which is controlling water. Um, and so there's a couple different things that factored into how those roads were paved at the, at the, in those locations as well. Okay. Thank you very much. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Mr. Turner. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, on the issue you brought up, Supervisor Turner, of um, the community support of folks who live on the road, I think that's the key, one of the main issues here at play. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, from a county level, we don't we don't deal with that uh, yet. Where we are proactively reaching out to everybody who has an address off of that road via the mail or some other method to to get their input on this. Um, what my office has done in the past with uh, some of the roads in my district, like Williams Gap Road, where we took it upon ourselves within my office to do that, where I literally went knocking on doors, sent mailers. Uh, a couple rounds of mailers. If I didn't hear back, I went back and knocked on doors, tried to figure that out, because for me, it's a very high percentage that is needed before uh, we will pave a rural rustic road or a gravel road, um, because our gravel roads are so important to us here in Western Loudoun County. They're an amenity. Um, they're something that we cherish. We, I think when I first came on eight years ago, we had close to 300 miles of them. Now I think it's closer to 260 miles, unfortunately. Um, some are more important than others based on the history of the roads. I think Old Wheatland Road in particular is one of the more important uh, roads, but that's what my office has done in the past. And when someone calls me saying, hey, I just moved into my new cluster development off of a old uh, gravel road, can you please pave it because my car's getting dirty and I just broke uh, the front right shock or whatever, I tell them absolutely not. Uh, you can take the initiative yourself to uh, go and get a petition done by 80% of the people or more on the, who live on the road saying they want it, and then I'll consider it. Uh, but until you do that, because my staff's not going to do it, I'm not even going to consider it. And so that's how we've handled it within my district. Hopefully we can get to a point where the county staff is able to proactively take care of that because it's, it's really burdensome on a district with only a couple staff members and the supervisor to do that, especially on some of these roads that have uh, hundreds of residents living off of them. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Buffington. I, I'm going to associate myself with much of what Mr. Buffington just said. I'm not sure I would have been that blunt, but I think, I think he makes a, a point. You know, a lot of our rural rustic roads, are, the road itself is historic. And so we have to be really careful what we do and how we do it. And, and 
with respect, I, you know, I think it's you know it's the same discussion we have when people you know who move to the air near the airport and call me and tell me they can hear airplanes. I go, well, I can understand why that happens. You move by by the airport. It's kind of the same thing if you move near these roads and. You know, I've I've heard everything from my car got damaged to my 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 daughter has asthma and all the dirt that it kicks up makes her asthma worse, which I really do care about. But I also, you know, most people when they move in, they, they don't move in with with the promise or that that this road's going to be paved. And if they do, their promise is not a real promise. And so I'm really careful about you know altering things um, that are historic and there. And so I I really have to have a you know, a a majority. I don't know if it needs to be eighty percent, but a majority of the constituents who live on those roads say that they want these roads paved before I'll do anything. Um, I think that part of you know rural living is is rural roads, and it's, it's like you know having a, a critter in your backyard. No, thank you. But if you move to, into that part of the county, you may get a critter in your backyard. And so I am, I am less likely to, to pave roads than more likely. And if I'm going to do that, I need to really know that the, the community writ large is, is asking for, and I need to see a majority of the people doing that. And I have just a very, I have you know, a lot of respect for the, the historic nature of some of our roads. And so that's not a, that's not a no for me, but it is a, you know, 10% of the people won't get me there. 15% of people won't get me there. One person or even three people won't get me there. I need to see real numbers. And I need to understand the thinking of, well, tell me what tell me when you moved in and tell me what you would which what you thought was gonna happen. And and I don't I don't I hope it don't sound disrespectful because I don't mean to be disrespectful. But once you pave a road and change something, it's it's changed forever. It doesn't change back later. And so it's it's really important that if we make these changes, that changes um, rural and historic places, that we we darn sure better know that that we're doing it because we absolutely have to for life, health, safety, and not just for convenience. Um, there are a few things that I will do um, for convenience that that has a long-term impact on history. So um, so a lot of what Mr. Buffington said, I I would associate myself with those comments. Uh, we do have a lot of speakers on this item. Um, so again, I am sorry because I should have consolidated the agenda first, and so that is my mistake. But we will go through the speakers. You have two and a half minutes. When I call your name, please come to the podium closest to you. Um, I will call your name in, ex in advance. So if you want to kind of get ready or line up, you know that you're coming next. Uh, the first speaker will be William Clark, followed by Cody Francis, followed by, followed by Emily Houston, followed by Jane Covington. Good evening, sir. Comments, so I apologize if they're redundant to some of the things you've just said. Um, my name is William Clark. Uh, thank you. For, I live off Old Wheatlands Road. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you tonight and for your stewardship of the county. Yes, I bought off a dirt road uh, five years ago, and I don't want to be the guy that buys near the airport and then complains about the noise. But so we'll ignore the contradictory claims made by the builder at the time and just get on with it. You can step outside and see how the passenger side of my truck is ruined by scratches from tree branches as I try to get over and dodge people coming at me in the middle of the road because they are avoiding potholes, rocks, and the drop-off edges. It's not if, but when I have a collision on the blind hills and the blind turns because someone's in the middle of the road dodging edge hazards instead of looking more forward. My driver's side mirrors have been twice by oncoming cars coming that close. Several neighbors have blown out or cut tires, sometimes two tires at once. 
My very beefy truck is being pounded to death by the washboarding on the dirt and the ridiculous hodgepodge patchwork of attempted repairs on the two paved ends. I've given up keeping my vehicles clean. It's not dust. It's the gritty, rocky talcum that gets in every crevice of the engine compartment, door jams, and hatch shields. Hatch shields. If it rains after a graveling, forget it. Horrible black slush worse than snow. You can't bring the car in the garage. I have to change the car filters monthly. Around every nine months, one of our cars needs its alignment, and we are careful. I've kept an informal log over the five years of every time the road is regraveled. I know gravel is cheap, but by now, continuing to gravel, grade, and patch over and over and over again cannot continue to be cost-effective. It's astonishing to me as I drive around that I frequently see already paved roads servicing fewer homes and with less traffic in pretty darn good condition being resurfaced while our road remains dirt. To those against paving to preserve the look of rural Loudoun, I hear your view very much, but respectfully I find it a little illogical. You want the road to remain the way it was during horse and buggy days, but today we have trucks and cars. The houses are new and modern, not log cabins. There are power lines, street lights, electric house lights, satellite dishes, swimming pools, cell phone towers, and even mailboxes. The street signs are there whether the road is paved or not. The only thing not modernized is the road itself, and that makes no sense in one of the wealthiest counties of the nation. The Rural Rustic Road Program is a pretty good solution for a case like this. You worry about increased traffic cut-throughs. I believe this is false. A simple examination of the map shows there is no advantage to cutting through on Old Wheatlands Road. I've tried it off and on over five years. It doesn't work. Some are concerned about the pavement's increased speeding. There are already some people speeding. They tend not to live in the neighborhood or the road, and these people will speed whether the road is dirt, asphalt, potholes, or jello. Sir, thank you so much for time. I know it goes fast. Your time is up, though. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Cody Francis, followed by Emily Houston, followed by Jane Covington. Good evening, Mr. Francis. Good evening, Chair Randall and members of the board. Um, my name is Cody Francis. I um, live on Canby Road, one of the roads that uh, has been discussed this evening. Um, I grew up on Quarter Branch Road, if you know that road, over another gravel road in Lovettsville. Um, I'm here tonight to say I do support the, uh, the draft addition or the the proposed addition of the roads that were described tonight um, I'll speak uh, primarily to Canby um, there's a the short segment that was described tonight is an area that VDOT um, is frequently maintaining the route today in fact they brought another load of stone they put down some dust control and had the motor grader out there um, and you know frankly they're very responsive when when we call and complain that it needs fixing then they come out and, and do that um, it does get beat up pretty badly in that area, and my one concern with the proposed plan is that the area that's beat up is just going to get moved about 300 feet down the road because the subdivision that is served off of that, the Longview Crest Estates, is only maybe about 10% of the traffic on that road. Um, there's a winery that's pretty uh, popular down the road, uh, Castanel uh, Vineyard or Winery. Um, there's also um, quite a few other homes down that way. The one other thing that I would point out is that road does serve already as a cut through for those that know the roads of Loudoun, um, when Route 7 and Colonial Highway are backed up, that is your last out before sitting in that traffic. And many people have figured that out and they'll take that road to cut through to Thomas Mill Road and over to um, Dry Mill or, or down to Route 704 if they're heading south. So, um, in my opinion, it probably makes sense to pave more of it. Um, I probably won't really benefit from that. You know, it, uh, speeds do increase a little bit when you pave, but um, 
when I look at Sands Road, uh, where this rural rustic uh, pavement was done sometime back, that's, uh, that's really nice. Uh, I ride my bike on that uh, fairly frequently. It's, uh, speeds are not too high there. I don't think they'll be too high on any of these roads with this uh, rural rustic program. So I'm in support of that. Um, last item is that I think what we're talking about is a little bit less than 1% of the road budget for the county. Um, it's about 14 million six years versus 1.4 billion six year total. So, thanks. Thank you, Mr. Francis. Um, Emily Houston, followed by Jane Covington, followed by Lisa O'Donnell. Good evening. Hello, Emily Houston, representing the Rural Roads Committee. Um, yesterday, we sent you a letter describing our concerns about the six-year plan, and I apologize for not also sending it to DTCI. Um, but I'd like to expand on some key points made in that letter. You've heard me speak at previous hearings about developing a superior aggregate surface for our unpaved roads. And over the years, we've also emphasized the need for drainage improvements as faulty or absent drainage is a primary source of maintenance headaches. What is key for you to understand today is that while projects to identify a superior aggregate and better drainage methods that were done on Old Waterford Road were labeled as tests, but they actually employed proven methods and materials already available to VDOT. So we are not in a position of sitting here waiting for the results of more experiments before we can bring our unpaved roads into the 21st century. The ability to construct a high quality gra gravel road has already been demonstrated. It can be done now. We therefore ask that you accept the district grant funds designated by state code for improvement of unpaved roads and use them for capital improvement projects to fix drainage, shape the roads with a proper crown, place, place the aggregate surface using compacting equipment and mixing in binding agents. Again, this could be done now and it could be done on Old Wheatland Road. We do not need to default to the use of asphalt to give residents a better road while retaining its rural character, calming traffic, and allowing recreational use. Another key point, there is an urgent need for a transparent and technical system for managing these roads and making paving decisions. Thanks largely to the efforts of our committee, the Transportation Research Council is developing a statewide rating and evaluation system for unpaved roads. On August 3rd, we are meeting with Dr. Michael Fitch, Director of the Research Council, to learn more about this critical project. It will be a vital tool to enhance VDOT's ability to property, properly manage our unpaved roads and take us toward a technical rather than a political process for decision making. And I'd like to just make one comment about cluster subdivisions that were mentioned and the numbers of people on petitions. The cluster subdivisions will outnumber Ms. Ms. the existing residents. Thank you. Your time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Jane Covington, followed by Lisa O'Donnell, followed by Mary Sheehan. Good evening, Ms. Covington. Good evening. Thank you so much for letting me speak. Thank you for your time. I'm here on behalf of the Heritage Commission tonight. I'm here to ask that you consider the county's already stated vision when voting to pave or not to pave. According to the countywide transportation plan, and I quote, the impact that roads have on the rural landscape must be considered during the design of road improvement. 
These sites are closely tied to their rural setting and can be negatively affected by road projects. Paving has implications beyond the immediate roadway and therefore please consider the impact on the surrounding landscape and context. There is a difference between the rural context and the suburban context. There are numerous examples of when gravel roads are paved, traffic volume and speed increase. With the case of Old Wheatland, consider the impact of encouraging more cut through traffic into the village of Waterford and across the surrounding landscape. Consider this impact when the county is already investing public funds to reduce traffic volume and speeds in the village of Waterford through the pres Preserving the Landmark Initiative. Please don't fund two conflicting public initiatives. VDOT, through its work on Old Waterford Road, has demonstrated it has the means and methods to economically improve a gravel road. We know it's possible to have both, safe and effective travel while preserving our gravel roads. And I want to use the last 30 seconds to speak as a citizen. I live on a gravel road, and I want you to consider these as a public resource. I run on the roads. I ride my bike on the roads. Changing the surface, whether it be pave in place or tar and chip or whatever you want to cause it, call it, does change how that road is used. There's always increased volume and speed. We know Loudoun needs our parks, and I hope you consider these a public asset. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Covington. And uh, would you like to have a microphone, ma'am? A, a hand mic? Okay. All right. Well, um, you are Miss O'Donnell? I am. Wonderful. After you, ma'am, would be Mary Sheehan and Robert Meeks. Good evening, and Good evening. thank you for your consideration of these issues. Um, my name is Lisa O'Donnell. I'm um, going to give you just a little bit of background because I think it's important to what I have to say. I'm a Loudoun County native, graduated from Loudoun County High School in 1982. My family goes back to the 1800s in this county. My grandfather was the volunteer fire chief in Percival for more than 20 years. Wade Palmer was his name. My grandmother was the first ever guidance counselor in the Loudoun County Public Schools. So I care about this county. I left in 1990 after finishing law school because I couldn't afford to buy a home in Loudoun County, despite my husband and I being two working professionals. It took me 30 years to come back. I always considered Loudoun as home. And finally, two years ago, made it back to Loudoun and live in Waterford off of Old Wheatland Road. And that's what I'm here to speak about this evening. And I'm asking the board to move forward with the paving of Old Wheatland Road. I've listened very carefully to the arguments against it. And I appreciate very much, Chair Randall, your comments about preserving the history, given my history in the county. But I think the previous speaker's comments about everything else has changed. And personally, yes, Loudoun has changed dramatically since when I grew up here. But in, and I, there's even a Facebook page that you all, I'm sure, have seen, born and raised only to be pushed out. Well, I'm the one who says, but I came back because it's even better than it was before. Some modernization, I think, is beneficial. And 
I echo what the previous speaker said about the dangers of Old Wheatland Road as it stands. It is riddled with potholes, um, drop-offs on the side of the road, the blind hills, and he's absolutely right. You tra I travel that road daily, and the cars tend to travel down the center of the gravel road to avoid all the potholes and the rumble strips along the side. Well, that's just a danger, especially on a road that's curvy with blind hills. And I know you've heard all the stories about, you know, the cars. Ms. O'Donnell, I'm so sorry, um, and your time is up. I'm, it's, it's nice to meet a, a original Loudoun resident, though, so it's nice to meet you, but your time is up, ma'am. Our next speaker will be Mary Sheehan, followed by Robert Meeks, followed by Madeline Skinner. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, Chair Randall, Supervisors. My name is Mary Sheehan from the Waterford Citizens Association. I'm here to urge you not to support paving Old Wheatland Road. Uh, Old Wheatland Road, which young Colonel Washington traveled, uh, runs between Route 9 and the village of Waterford. And while residents along the road are affected by this paving proposal, of course, I'd like to point out that those at the receiving end of the traffic are also affected, and that's the case of Waterford. And supervisors are aware that Waterford is collaborating with DTCI, for which we are very, very grateful, on a Preserve the Landmark program to calm cut-through traffic in the village. We're concerned, however, that paving Old Wheatland would increase that traffic. Moreover, importantly, in excluding the road's most dangerous section at the end uh, where it uh, re reaches Route 9, the proposal also misses an opportunity to create a safe left-hand turn onto Route 9, which would likely reduce village traffic. So it seems to us that the project seems a bit at odds with DTCI's very own int uh, efforts in Waterford. And I'd just like to point out that over two decades ago, Milltown Road connecting Lovettsville and Waterford was paved. And to our knowledge, it was done without considering alternatives, without modeling effects on traffic or consulting affected communities. It resulted in an astonishing growth in Waterford cut through traffic, today over 9,000 vehicles per day. So we support the goal of safe roadways and efficient motorist travel and appreciate the distinctions between pave and place and the different surfacing. Um, but please, please do not allow a repeat of Milltown. Paving our historic gravel roads will change them forever. And it will lead to more traffic and faster speeds. So in concluding, if you value Loudoun's historic villages and the road network that is a, is a heritage resource that connects them, we urge you not to support paving Old Wheatland, to instead support applying funds for drainage, roadbed, and intersection improvements that ensure safety and quality, and to support a transparent, criteria-based approach to selecting historic rural roads for improvement, which includes a range of options in addition to paving, and prioritizing that discussion with the community that you mentioned. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, Robert Meeks, followed by Madeline Skinner, followed by Sandy Thinnell. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Thank you very much. I thank you for your service. You have what is kind of a thankless job, and I really appreciate it. I live on Highfield Park Lane, which is off of Canby Road. We live in the Vandeventer House built in 1908. We were able to recently get that on the National Register. 
the, our house owned the land that became Longview Crest. And I think we sort of indirectly feel a little bit of stewards, stewardship. What is now the Longview Crest was the driveway for our house uh, from 1908 until we bought the house from the developer. Uh, there is, um, some of my neighbors are here and we'll speak a little bit more about this, but we're on Canby Road every day as walkers. We walk our dog there. Uh, and I will say that those potholes, uh, which a lot of people have complained about, are a godsend. That is the only thing that stops the traffic on Route 7, the traffic at 7 and 9, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Route 9 expansion plans uh, to increase the, the on-ramp. Th that is what stops when those back up, more people coming down Canby Road. So I don't want to get myself in trouble, but if there weren't potholes, I'd go maybe make some potholes so there were more. This paving plan will just move those potholes 300 feet further down, I, and I'm not sure that's like the best conception of this. I further was very glad to hear Supervisor Turner say, you know, we just found out about this on Monday. And I dare say that if the, if the residents on Canby Road, particularly downstream, not in Longview Crest, were to become aware of this, the opposition would be um, less genteel than it will probably be tonight. Uh, so I, I would urge you to really strongly consider not paving this, and perhaps in the future we can look at some sort of way of engineering this. I was lucky to meet Ms. Houston, uh, and she explained some of the things that had happened on Waterford Road. That could be an elegant solution for this. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Meekson. We would prefer if you don't go make potholes yourself. Thank you very much. <laughs> Madeline Skinner, followed by Sandy Fennell, followed by Robert Mueller. Good evening. Good evening, Chair Randall, Supervisors. My name is Madeline Skinner, and I live on Gregsville Road in Philemont, the southern, still rural part of the road. I'm a I am proud of our road, and because of Supervisor Buffington, because he listened to us and worked with us, we were able to save our portion of the road from being paved and turned into a dangerously narrow and hilly straightaway. Um, so instead I get to wave to dog owners, bicyclists, dedicated walkers and more who feel safe from the impatient and reckless speeders. With the help of the Rural Roads Committee, I learned so much while working to save Gregsville. I came in a little late to the fight, but honestly I never thought two million dollars would be spent on a road that had very light use and only connected to two other gravel roads. I always called it the road to nowhere. I guess the resident who lived in one of the subdivisions on the north side who contributed $264,000 to a state official who's now retired, considered it a great investment to keep his Porsche clean. That is a lot of car washes. So when I do drive on the pave and place portion of Gregsville, the drive is stressful because it never should have qualified for paving. I feel sorry for the residents who are risking harm as they walk their dogs or walk along, trying not to fall off the pavement into an eight or 10 inch drop in too many spots with no safe shoulders. Should this road have been paved? Absolutely not. Were there deciding factors? Yeah, about 264,000 of them. So when I was researching this gravel road, we only found two road incidents, a side swipe and hitting an unidentified animal. Within only a few months after paving, I personally saw the result of one accident and a neighbor sent me a picture of another. So much for the safety factor. 
The list of rural roads slated to be paved is mind-numbing. Please stop paving on a whim of a whiner. Please stop paving, using paving as the only answer. Develop an actual process of selection, one that bases the decision on objective, analytical, and transparent criteria. And don't involve politics, our money, and if it's proven that the road meets criteria, then use the proven alternatives to paving. These very techniques and materials have achieved some excellent results. Stop appeasing the new residents that want clean cars and should have stayed in their suburban lifestyles. Wouldn't it be less stressful for you as a supervisor to be able to point them to an established and documented county process? I want to just mention, if you get a chance, please drive Gregsville Road. You can look at the two differences of the pavement place and the gravel side. It is very dangerous. You can just imagine the speed to increase when you're on the gravel. So please take that into consideration. Thank you, Ms. Skinner. Sandy Fennell, followed by Robert Mueller, followed by Kevin McWilliams. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening, I'm Sandy Fennell, and my husband Chris and I are the owners of the horse farm at 17877 Canby Road. Our pastures and paddocks create a one quarter mile border along Canby Road. While we can see the desire for the small section of Canby on the upper end from Colonial Highway to be finished paved to Longview Crest, we absolutely disagree with the paving of all of Canby Road. Seven years ago, Chris and I made the decision to leave the congestion of Arlington County and fulfill a dream to buy a farm, preferably one with historic merit. We quickly zeroed in on Western Loudoun for its natural beauty, rich agricultural heritage, and as an equestrian to be in the epicenter of the horse world. When we found the farm on Canby Road, we immediately fell in love. It fulfilled both of our wishes. The quiet, rural nature of the road was perfect for riding. The pastures were breathtaking, and the farm buildings were much as they existed from the mid-1700s, save some modern modifications over the years and a little rebuild after a Civil War fire. I was quickly coerced by equestrian neighbors to join the rich local history of fox hunting. I joined the Loudoun Hunt, which is preparing to turn 130 years old in the next year. It's a sport that's obviously steeped in a lot of Loudoun County tradition, and we are very blessed uh, that below Canby Road are the two hunt fixtures of Valley View Farm and Diggs Valley Farm. Besides field hunters, Diggs Valley often has pony clubbers riding on it as well as pleasure riders. During the fall and winter, it's not unusual to see a whipper in riding down Canby Road, chasing after a rogue hound that's popped up on the gravel surface. For us as farmers, riders, and also gravel bike riders, dog walkers, and joggers, it's imperative that the gravel surface be protected because that's our way of hearing oncoming traffic on, on an unpaved surface. We can hear and safely move to the side. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Fennell. Our next speaker is Robert Mueller, followed by Kevin McWilliams, followed by Aaron Walter. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Thank you all for your time. Uh, my name is Robert Mueller. 
Uh, I live on Canby Road. Rob's actually a, a neighbor directly to us, uh, to the right. Um, uh, my wife and I grew up in Western Loudoun. Um, my dad, actually talking about fox hunting, my dad's 74. He's a farrier, so he, he shoes horses and uh, grew up on a farm. Uh, we moved uh, to Western Loudoun to get back to a place we wanted to be and raise a family. Uh, we love Canby Road. We love the rural nature of it. We love the um, just everything about the, the quality of the road and, and the setup there. Um, we do oppose the paving because we are concerned. We actually uh, are the property where the, where the pavement turns to gravel. So we're, that's our property front. Uh, and so we watch firsthand every day as we're outside with our kids who are five and six. Uh, cars accelerating from the gravel to the pavement shortly after they go to the gravel or you know, hit the brakes as they're heading towards the gravel. And to us, that's, as Rob said, it's our saving grace as far as protecting or at least slowing down uh, local traffic and people are running late to get to practice or to work or people who are passing through because there's uh, an accident on Route 7. Um, so I just want to thank you again for your time and, and just uh, let you know that we oppose the, the paving of Canby, uh, that stretch or any, any bit past that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Kevin McWilliams, followed by Aaron Walter, followed by David Lutz. David Lutz, I do believe. Good evening, sir. Good evening. It's uh, Kenny McWilliams. Madam Chairman, uh, I'd like to speak to you one of the points that you made. In um, 1995, this board approved paving of Old Wheatland. You may not know that. Uh, it wasn't paved. Uh, but I bought my property when it was to be paved. And so from where I sit, uh, that hasn't been, been done. And that's one reason why I purchased my property where I did. Uh, that's point one. Mr. Kirshner, point two about this cut through, which the three, uh, there are the three naysayers uh, that have spoken to the board tonight. Uh, I didn't hear that any of them live off of Old Wheaton Road. Maybe they do, I don't, but I didn't hear that. It's easy to throw stones and say, no, no, no. Uh, Mr. Turner, there are 77 houses in Old Wheatland Estates and about 25 in Rosemont Farm where I live. So that's 102. Our petition had 112 signatures on it. The people who live off of Old Wheatland Road want it paved. Now back to this cut through issue. Does this make sense? They, the naysayers that come and say, oh, there's going to be all this cut through traffic. Where's your data on that? Does it make sense? Old Wheatland Road for the board, just so you know, Old Wheatland Road already has pavement on both ends. Look at, look at your paper that, that they prepared for you. Both ends of Old Wheatland Road are paved. We, we believe in compromise, right? So we have a compromise position out there. We just want about another mile paved to take in all those residents that are asking for this to be done. And oh, by the way, the developer gave the county over nearly $700,000. What are you going to do if you vote this one down? Are you going to give him his money back? This has been in county coffers for 10 years, this money. And so we would like this money spent for what it was asked for to put some pavement down on this road that um, I was here in 2005, 18 years ago, and the board approved it again when I was here. And guess what? Old Wheatland Estates put their petition in. And so everybody said, whoa, there will be a lot of traffic, too much traffic. That hasn't proved true. And that's why Old Wheatland Estates brought this petition forward. Uh, 
I'm back here in 2023. I don't think I'll last, I'm 70 years old. I don't think I'll last another 18 years to come back to this board and ask that you just pay. And we're not asking for the whole thing. Look at your paper. We're asking for a little piece, just another little piece that you already have about $700,000 for, donated by the developer out there. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Um, Aaron Walter, followed by David Lutz. I think that says Lutz, followed by Lori Campbell. Good evening. Hi, good evening. Um, thank you for having us today, and um, thank you for hearing us out. Um, I, um, I'm a long resident of Canby Road. Uh, we've, um, we've lived there for over 15 years. Um, and getting back to um, Turner, your point, um, we actually organized um, a community meeting a few years ago about the Gable, about the Gable Farm issue, which actually borders part of the Canby Road at residence. We had a community meeting. We had more than 75 people that came out. I have reached out. I personally found out about this about two days ago um, myself. I've reached out to many members of the community, and none of them know anything about this issue. So um, I wanted to start off with that to say I'm not as prepared as I would normally would be for a speak uh, for um, you know speaking to you today because I just found out about it as all of I've talked to six at least longtime members. I didn't have that much time to make phone calls today, but none of them knew anything about this. Um, that being said, I mean, I agree with Rob. Um, it, I thank the potholes. <laughs> Um, it is, we have been there for 15 years. We're very, very close to the transition point. We watch it all day long. <laughs> People speed until they get to the gravel and then they slow down. And, and conversely, when they leave the gravel, they press on that accelerator. We've called the police. <laughs> We've had numerous issues there due to this. Um, I personally walk on the road every day. I basically jaunt as fast as I can down the gravel, down the pavement section to get to the gravel because then I know I'm safe to walk. So I, I feel like this Canby Road issue to me has not been well communicated to the community <laughs> that it affects. I do understand that it is just 300 feet, but I would not want any more of Canby <laughs> um, paved. Um, also, just as a note, this 300 feet we're talking about like 12 houses. I mean, on that, that would serve in that long view, I believe 12 to 14 houses. I haven't drove back to count. I meant to drive back to count today, but fortunately I ran out of time. But there's not many oh, people that just- your time is up. 300 I'm people sorry. Serve. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. It was, it was a good conversation <laughs> I, I was having with my eyes with you, and I am really sorry your time okay. is up. Well, thank you for your time. <laughs> thank you for your extra time, even. Um, David Lutz, followed by Lori Campbell, followed by Jim Bingle. Good evening, sir. Good evening. I'm David Lutz. Um, I live in Old Wheatland's Estates. Um, I think we're kind of reaching the point where you're hearing some, th some things again over and over again. Um, the first gentleman that spoke and then the gentleman that spoke two ago kind of summarized up everything I have to say. Uh, there's money to do this. We have an opportunity to do this. We should take advantage of the opportunity and pay all Wheatlands. Um, it goes from bad to worse um, very quickly. Um, just 
after a rain, good rain, mediocre rain, it just, it, the potholes are crazy. People are swerving all over the place. You kind of have to slow down almost to a stop to decide who's going to go to the right versus the left in certain cases. Um, I think we just need to go ahead and take care of it and get it done, even, even a portion of it, right? You, you, people talk about the cut through and the gravel slows it down, and I guess maybe there's some merit to that and to some degree. But if you don't do the whole thing, but you just get up through Old Wheatlands and Trevor Hill, um, that's the majority of the, the residents on Old Wheatlands. And I think you would satisfy quite a, no, quite a number of people, still keep the, the cut through option mitigated, I guess would be the best way to say it. But I certainly support paving it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, Lori Campbell, followed by Jim Bingo, followed by Jim um, Osterich, I think. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I live in Loudoun County, um, immediately in the area of Canby and the Longview intersection. I think that the community is unique in that there are several homes along Canby, and um, to include those that are part of the Longview Crest community. And they, a, a couple of the homes have the luxury of being directly off of paved roadway. I am impacted at that intersection that's being referred to where there's significant issues with the dirt road. And just to fulfill some of the um, comments that were made or questions that were asked initially, my husband and I recent, our recent residents to Virginia bought that house about a few years ago. It's a relatively new community. It was obvious that, you know, we were transitioning from a paved road to a dirt road as we entered the community. We had no issues with that. We love the charm of Loudoun County. That's what drew us here from Maryland, where we raised our family. And we felt privileged to be here, and, and we still do. I think the county has been very responsive about making repairs to that road. But this, the issues are significant. It's not just a couple potholes. I think that there's huge safety concerns at this point. I think there's environmental impacts, which I know people a lot of times want to scoff at the opposing side of it, but it's, you know, there's impacts to having those trucks come out there on a continuous base, basis, the materials that are used, the damage that's caused to personal property, and the waste that's produced as a result of that. So given the fact that there apparently is no other option at this point, and it needs to be addressed sooner rather than later, I'm going to say that I'm in favor of paving that roadway. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Jim Bingle is followed by um, a remote speaker, and that would be Jim Osterich, and that's a remote speaker, followed by Derek Van Nutt. Good evening, Ms. Bingle. Good evening, Chair Randall and board members. I'm Jim Bingle, speaking for the Piedmont Environmental Council. For the secondary roads six-year plan, PEC supports an alternative to the proposed paving of sections of Old Wheatland, John Wolford, and Canby Roads as more appropriate construction improvement plan. There are better solutions for creating a gravel surface that can address the drainage and surface treatment issues that are causing travel problems in terms of ease of travel. Even the rural rustic roads approach to paving for convenience is a solution that brings a different set of problems to the local community. We strongly support the work and suggestions of the Rural Roads Committee of the Loudoun Preservation and Conservation Coalition in their years-long work with VDOT and the county to develop consistent and objective criteria to manage Loudoun's gravel roads and avoid paving. A replicable, transparent, and less expensive alternative to manage Loudoun's gravel roads 
would have multiple benefits and would be widely embraced. Despite the, the controversy that you're hearing here, um, just as complete streets with sidewalks and bike trails offer benefits to residents in Loudoun's developed areas, gravel roads can meet similar needs and offer some of the same benefits without adding infrastructure. We regularly hear from residents who live across the rural west that paving our gravel roads would diminish the value that they provide to walkers, equestrians, and cyclists because drivers are forced to slow down and share the road. Beyond the direct benefit to residents, the character of Loudoun's historic villages and countryside is entwined in its gravel roads, as everybody has spoken to here tonight. They enhance the historic char charm and setting of our countryside for residents and visitors alike. Please listen to the requests for um, avoiding paving and find a more targeted solution to the problems on these roads. They can surely be improved without paving. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Uh, Bingle. Remote speaker, we have Jim Ostrich, followed by Derek Van Nutt, who's not remote, he's in the room. And gosh, I, um, I'm going to spell your name because I do not want to m m mispronounce your name. And will you come up if you pronounce it for me? I'd really appreciate that. It's J-A-C-H-I-M-O-T-E-R-O. -E so the last name is Otario. But if you would pronounce your first name, I would appreciate it. But now we're going to go to the remote speaker. Andy, you there? Andy? I know, that's the remote speaker's name, Jim. Hey, yes. Um, I have Jared here first. You have who? Jared Smith. I don't have Jared Smith on my list first. I'm just going down my list. Who's Jared Smith? Wait, Andy, is that you talking to me? That is me. Okay, Andy. <laughs> Andy, Andy, I don't have Jared Smith. I don't know who Jared Smith is. I have Jim Ostrich. Yes, I have him after Jared. Do you oh, want we me have to him after Jim Jared. Or? Okay, well, he's not on my list here. All right. Why is but this room on this side? Anyway, okay, we'll go to we'll go to Jer Jared Jared Smith, and then Jim Ostrich, and then Derek Van Nutt. That's that you. Okay, we're going to do two remote speakers. We're ready, sir. Good evening. Can everybody hear me? Okay. We can hear you fine. Uh, I want to thank everybody for taking time to listen to our concerns and also um, just hear kind of our point of view in regards to the road improvements that we're looking to accomplish. I too live off of Canby Road. I live on Mosby. I'm um, the next door neighbor to Laurie Campbell, who just recently spoke, as well as adjacent neighbor to Mr. Mueller and Rob Meeks. I've lived in the community now for close to seven years. Um, I agree with all the comments that you heard from, from Laurie and some folks in regards to property damage and also some of the other issues that are involved with the um, the gravel road, but I do want to focus on the safety issues that we have seen and witnessed over the last seven years. I understand that everybody's focused right now on the potholes slowing cars down, but I want to call everybody's attention to the fact that Canby Road, specifically Longview Crest and Mosby's Overlook, have a significant amount of residents that have school-aged children. There are school buses that are there continually throughout the school year picking up elementary school kids middle school kids and high school kids. I've witnessed with my children, as well as other families, instances where kids are getting on and off these school buses and cars are swerving, trying to avoid the potholes, or not paying attention to the 
both buses nor the kids. Children are coming off and on the bus, having to avoid stepping in huge potholes and putting themselves in danger as they cross the, the road entering into Longview. That's one of the I understand that not everybody is considering, but there's safety issues with children involved. It's just not drivers. Um, I have also, as we've lived in this community for seven years, been a victim to having issues with my vehicles because these roads are not repaired as timely as everybody thinks. They go for weeks and weeks at a time, specifically during the winter, where people are driving on the grass. They're driving on opposite sides of the road. We even have a resident that has put up markers on his property to keep people from driving on the grass, which just recently came down over the last couple of weeks. They've been up for probably over a year because cars have swerved and up over the, the, glass, the grass areas. We're not asking for the whole road to be paved. We're asking for two to 300 feet. The road itself up to that point is paved. Mr. Smith, can you see your clock? Because your, your time is up, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, and my, we have another remote speaker, Jim. Uh, I think it's Ostrich, but I'm not sure. Correct, Madam Chairwoman. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. First, I'd like to uh, say that uh, I, I am very grateful to the Virginia Department of Transportation and Mr. Kirshner and all my neighbors that are here today remotely uh, as well as in person uh, to defend and make the case for paving Old Wheatland Road. I'm a resident, three and a half year resident of Old Wheatland Estates and uh, the, the points, uh, comments uh, from your original speaker, Mr. Clark, uh, were all on point every every single that he made i would only add that there's actually nine blind curve not blind curves blind hills along that stretch of old wheatland road from milltown all the way to route nine um the initiator of the petition that you have before you uh and it took a little over a year and a half and we are a majority the point that was made earlier by, I think, Supervisor Turner uh, is, is just irrelevant. There, the, the number of residents beyond Rosemont, uh, Rosemont Farm Place or Trevor Hill to the west towards are, are minimal. We are the majority between Old, Wheat, between Old Wheatland Estates and Trevor Hill, Madam Chair, Chairwoman. And I could go on and on about all problems that exist. And it's not that we don't love the National Historic Landmark that we live in. We, we absolutely do. We just need a, a decent pavement to get to our paved communities uh, at the very least. And so I, I, I again uh, thank you, the, the board, uh, Mr. Mr. Kirshner in particular, and and everyone in support because, as VDOT told me uh, two years ago, it's time to pave Old Wheatland Road. So with that, Madam uh, Chairwoman, uh, again thank you and have a pleasant evening. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, um, Mr. Van Nett, You are next. Thank you for waiting, sir. And then Miss, I think it's Mr. Oterio, followed by Thomas. 
I it, it, I can't read the hand. Tom, Tom, Deal? Thomas Deal, okay. Yep. Handwriting, handwriting. Ready when you are. Great, thank you. Thank you, Chair Randall. Thank you, Supervisors. My name is Derek Van Nutt. I'm in the Catoctin District. I live off Old Wheatland Road. Um, I'm not representing any of the other communities. Um, it sounds like there's folks here doing that. I'm simply representing the constituents from Old Wheatland Road. Um, and we have a good majority of them here. And I'm one of the 112 that signed this petition because um, the road, uh, it's dangerous. Um, and I don't think that simply having that as a, uh, a gravel road as it is and not paving that short section preserves any kind of historic value of, for the community. Um, I, I think the money that we have um, already contributed to this. Uh, we, we can pave it very easily. There's a compromise on the table. Um, and if you can approve part of the plan, I think you need to consider this part of the plan. Um, I think there's uh, other uh, roads that have opposition, but um, I think this road, we have a lot of support. The 112, I would imagine, is a far majority of the, f the, the folks on that road. Um, I don't have anything additional to add. Um, I understand the, the, your important jobs of finding that balance between the community desires and um, the, the preserving the historic nature of the community, but um, I, I really don't understand how um, not paving that part of the road, that small part of the road, really changes much uh, in that nature. Um, and, and for the opposition, the, the speed, we, the homeowners, aren't looking to speed. I think there's also a compromise if speed is an issue that we put things in the road to prevent speed uh, speeders. I think that's, that's fine. Um, I think there's solutions that need to be evaluated rather than saying yes to all of it, no to all of it. I think there is a lot of compromise to be had, and I think we're willing to have that discussion, um, and we have funding there to help support a lot of that. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Mann, I, I have one question. So, uh, and, and I, I, I asked this question just for clarity. Um, you said you're representing, are you formally representing the, all, the, all the neighbors? Uh, not formally, no. no okay, okay. James, uh, the, the speaker before me, I would imagine he'd be the formal representative. Okay. He's the one submitting the petition. All right. He asked me to come. He couldn't be here today because of work. I understand. Reasons. Okay. Um, All right. So I'm here informally, but I guess maybe on behalf of, of James. I understand. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I think it's Mr. Oterio, followed by Thomas Deal. Good evening, sir. Good Would evening. you pronounce your Thank first you. name for me? Thank you so much for having me. My first name is uh, pronounced Joachim. Joachim. Nice My to last meet you, name sir. is Otero. Otero. I'm a resident of the old Wheatland Estates off of Old Wheatland Road. I've been in Loudoun County about 18 years. I've been living in Old Wheatland Estates almost six years. And I just wanted to have the opportunity today to um, express my support uh, for the proposition before the board to uh, improve the road, uh, even if it's only the compromised version, which is a shorter um, length than the entire length of the road. It is a um, very hazardous journey up and down that road um, from one end to the other because of the nature of the, the blind curves and the turns and the sh uh, steep and sharp drop-offs. And, you know, every time it does rain, um, we do get a lot of um, potholes and other kinds of, you know, obstacles. To, you have to really go slow, and it does beat up your vehicle. But I also wanted to say that I do appreciate um, all of the commentary today about the rural nature of the county and the historical value of the, the, the historic road program. And 
uh, I'm an advocate for all that as well. So it's a tough decision, uh, but I just wanted to express my uh, support for uh, approving and encourage you to approve the proposal to pave or use some other type of uh, aggregate with binding agent or some other type of surface to improve the road and make it a safe road to drive upon. And Mr. Kirshner, I haven't met you yet, but we're neighbors, so nice to meet you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, Thomas Deal, and then he's followed by two people who are both remote, Pete Barker and Chris Finnell. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak, and I'm, I apologize about my bad handwriting. That's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I've lived in uh, at old, excuse me, at Trevor Hill since, uh, for the last nine years. I moved to the um, Northern Virginia area in 1975. Uh, my daughter, uh, at the time I was living in Sterling Park, was born in Loudoun Memorial Hospital um, back in 1979. I've seen a lot of changes in Loudoun County over that time period. Um, I've seen huge changes also in Fairfax and in Prince William County. Development has certainly come to Northern Virginia. Um, one of the things about property rights that I've noticed when it comes to um, development is that developers have a lot of leeway in so far as what they want to do. <clears throat> and then they throw the burden, if you will, on the, the local county, the local towns, and so forth, in so far as coping with additional schools, additional roads, additional sanitation. Um, but they have their way. Uh, there is a considerable amount of traffic that goes through um, uh, Waterford. Uh, I was getting up at 4.15 in the morning to drive into Tyson's Corner where I was working until I retired a couple years ago. Massive amounts of cars coming down Milltown out of Lovettsville, excuse me. Um, and that is where the traffic is coming into uh, um, Waterford. Uh, the petition of 112 signatures, I did a back of the envelope count. There's about 124 houses by my count that live off of Old Wheatland, which is where I am. Uh, much of Old Wheatland is a straightaway, but at the corners it is in, it, very dangerous. Uh, rain will wash away the shoulders. It makes it hazardous. The potholes, as you've heard, are, are terrible. Uh, and we really need to be doing something and finding other solutions. Don't mean to push anything else on you, but frankly, a bypass around the village of Waterford would make a heck of a lot of sense. Uh, don't know where you get the money to do that, <laughs> but it would alleviate a lot of the problems you, sir. in the historic nature. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Our last two speakers are both remote. Pete Barker and Chris Fennell. Okay, uh, this is uh, Dr. Pete Barker. I'm a biologist. Uh, we have a house on Canby Road. I'm uh, the vulgar neighbor that uh, Colonel Meeks mentioned a little bit earlier. And uh, I would like to just uh, put my two cents in here. I don't believe the paving extend even one foot, much less all the way down the road or 50 feet down the road or whatever. This, uh, this area has been very rural. Our home was built in 1740. 
which means wow. that the resident of the first house on this property uh, quite likely watched Braddock's army roll by on Dry Mill Road. I don't uh, favor transforming the neighborhood into uh, classic suburban with curbs and sidewalks and all that. It's, it's, that's not why we moved here. So I'm completely in support of Colonel Meeks and Aaron Walker that uh, I do not favor paving. That's it. Thank you very much. And our last speaker is also remote, and that is Chris Fennell. Okay. Uh, thank you. Yes, my name is Chris Fennell, and my wife Sandy spoke earlier about our property on Canby Road. And uh, I, I echo the comments of the previous gentleman, uh, but I want to emphasize, I, I happen to be an engineer uh, with 30-plus years of home building and land development experience. In this instance, Rather than talk about a technical thing, I'm going to I'm going to build upon what at the beginning of this, several of the the, the chair and the council members mentioned this process. I happen to be out of town on business, and this is so important that I didn't even find out about this until yesterday. My wife didn't find out. The network went. I'm I'm sitting in my car on the side of the road, town on a business trip, because this is critical, as the chair mentioned. What happens is forever. It's, it's not reversible. The previous gentleman said, we too live in a property that's from 1740, including oak, white oak trees that were, are from 1740 that are within 15 feet of the road. So the fact that this process could go on without transparency and active community engagement, as opposed to, oh, no, our process is we just wait to hear what happens. That's really not appropriate because this is irreversible. What could happen here? We moved to Canby Road because we cherish the environment, not to change it. If we wanted to change it, as the chair said, we should have moved somewhere else. So the, the, the point is that Canby Road is a unique place relatively close in to Leesburg that has been for centuries it started as a footpath. There are ancient maps showing the Native Americans using the ridge line as a footpath to move across the, the top of the Catoctin Ridge. Why, what gives us the right to, to change that and say we need to pave it? We, our property happens to be the straightaway, as the other gentleman to. Wide open, straight stretch with pastures on the side. That will be the place where, where, if it were paved, where the speeds will really, really pick up. And lastly, I am also a bicyclist. Uh, moved to Loudon and became an avid gravel biker. Anby Road hosts dozens of gravel bikers. Saturday mornings, in the evenings, you, as here's that dirty word, a cut through the network of, of gravel roads. Sir? Yes, I'm sorry, your yep. time is up. Okay. Very Thank good. you very much. Thank you very much. All right, that is all of our speakers. Thank you all for coming in. Um, I, I think those comments were about even on either side, actually. I appreciate all of you all coming in. Supervisors, as is my practice, um, although I know there are other motions on the dais, as is my practice, I'm going to first go to the motion in the, the packet motion first. I always do that. And then we will go from there based on what happens in the packet motion. Um, uh, 
Now, it is possible, let me just ask, does anyone want to make the packet motion? Mr. Kirshner? I, Madam Chair, I'd be willing to make the packet motion. There is a slight amendment to the Wheatland, old Wheatland proposal. I've sp spoken with staff about it and obviously I had some comments. I also know that Mr. Letourneau would like to. I know, oh, that, but, that's a, but that's a separate and different. Uh, so, but his is well, a but his is first. Yeah, do it first. We should do his yeah, first. and then we'll come back. It's actually splitting the, splitting the motion, but let's just do you. That, okay, let's split it to do you first and then come back and make the packet motion and then we'll see. And then Ms. Brixman has a motion on the day as, as, as well. Mr. Buffett has a motion on the dais as well. It, it will just depend, really, because some of the motions will, will be um, void if if other motions pass. pass. So let's just go to Mr. Eternos because his is a splitting of the motion, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. and I need to explain it because I need to move to suspend the rules, but yes. it will be only for the purpose of funding the Goshen Road project tonight. So I will move to suspend the rules. Second. All right, okay, and motion been made and seconded. Okay, and as I said, this is only for the purpose of moving this tonight. The reason I'm doing it is because it is FY, it's $180,000. No, he's, he's speaking on, he's I'm speaking, speaking on the motion, speaking on the motion to, just so people speaking. understand yeah. why I'm doing it. Um, there's only $180,000 left out of $2 million. It is FY24, which has already started. I think uh, Mr. Tuare would confirm the sooner you get this money, the sooner you can start working on this particular project. And we discussed prior to the meeting, trying to get this one funded tonight so that you can start working. Is that accurate, Sunil? Yes, the activities on the project can begin as long as the funding is allocated to it. Yes, so I'm only asking on this one. That's why I'm making a motion to suspend. Okay, motion to make to suspend. Anybody else on that? All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Mrs. Raymond, should I can make a motion? Yes, I will move that the Board of Supervisors uh, approve uh, funding for the, uh, I'm doing this a little bit on the fly, for the Goshen Road uh, project, uh, UPC T25243 um, and FY24 as part of the um, FY24 to 29 secondary road six-year plan and FY24 construction improvement budget priority list um, provided to the Board of Supervisors at the J July 12th uh, public hearing staff report. Motion is made to Mr. Buzzer Buffing in discussion on the motion. Mr. Letourneau. Is that motion adequately? No, it's a pretty clear motion. Okay, just I just making sure, yeah. technically speaking, um, I think Susan has a, Ms. Glass has a question. Yes, ma'am. May I suggest that you also include the Rural Rustic Road designation or Goshen Road? Absolutely. I further move that the Board of Supervisors <laughs> approve resolutions designating Goshen Road. Uh, as a Royal Arrested Road, I guess, and as provided in Attachment 3. Is that doing it for you? Okay. That's the purpose okay. of the funding. Uh, July yeah, 12, 2023, okay. public okay. hearing staff report. All right. Okay. Discussion on the motion? No? Uh, no, I'm just, we, we've been trying to get this one done. It's exciting to get this done. There was no speakers here in opposition to it. This is a very different situation. This mm -hmm. is in eastern, southeastern Loudoun County, next to a major high school, next to another major road project that will be opening soon, and we get constant complaints about it. So, um, yep. yep. That's it. Okay, anybody else? All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 9 0. All right, in order. I'm going to go to Mr. Kirshner next to make the motion in this 
well, basically the, the motion in the package. Mr. Kirshner, if your motion that you're making um, varies quite a bit, in my opinion, from the motion in the package, then I then we may need to talk about that because really I, what I always do is go to the packet motion next. So let's, let's just... The, hey, the, the only amendment that I have, Madam Chair, and, and maybe I should explain the amendment and then read the only amendment... No, no, no. That's not... No, no. No, no. So no we'll understand. No, no, okay. No, I will no. read the motion and then I will... Well, do you want to suspend the... No, I do not want to suspend the rules. I want this to go to the September business meeting. Ah. There needs further discussion okay. with the various uh, entities. All right. Yes. So it'll be the September public hearing. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we've changed the process. Would you like to make the motion? I will. I move that <laughs> the Board of Supervisors for the FY 2024 and FY 2029 secondary road six-year plan and FY 2024 construction improvement budget priority list to the September 13th, 2023 Board of Supervisors public hearing for action with the exception that the old Wheatland Road portion be shortened from the proposal in the packet to go from Rosemont Place, also known as um, the Trevor subdivision, no. to, um, I'll get it real quick, I'm sorry, um, I lost my train, to Milltown. I'm sorry, you might have lost my... So basically the motion packet, okay. shortening the road slightly, as was mentioned by several speakers, not to end at Virch Lane, but instead to end at Rosemont Place. So I have two, two, two points of clarification. You yes. said move it to the public hearing for action, and this may get to our new rules. Yes. We can move it to the public hearing. You don't have to, to say, because we, we can leave it in public hearing if we need it to, so when you say for action, do you, is, is, are you, is uh, that's, that the, that's the motion, that's the draft oh, okay. motion. That's why, so what's your intention though, to act on it in that, pu in that public hearing? Yes, okay. but specifically I have some comments on that, but go ahead, okay. that's my motion. And then my second question, and this is for the clarification, mm -hmm. so everything else but the Wheatland Road, you, you want that in there? And the, the, everything that's in, that's in the attachments, you want all that to be, stay in there? Nothing else changed that's in the motion but that? Correct. Okay. All this right. This is public hearing, yep. so we're just moving yep. forward for action. Yep. This, okay. Discussion on the motion, Mr. Kirshner. <laughs> thank you, Madam Chair. Do we have a second? I'm not sure. Do I have a... Okay. Oh, thank you. We do know. <laughs> just want to make sure it's legit here. Um, so there's so much I can say. I have a very short period of time to say it in, and I really appreciate every single speaker that's come out. I want everyone to know that I'm extremely sensitive to our historic roads, and I want to do all I can to continue to um, preserve them as much as possible. But then I also have many, many residents on a number of our historical roads. And I got my, I told the, the folks on Wheatland specifically, you got to bring a petition for it. I took a, a, a playbook out of Supervisor Buffington's playbook. And I said, listen, you need a majority, a significant majority of people on the road. And as you heard, they took a year and a half. So, um, but I also appreciate what Waterford had to say, especially in terms of, hey, we're a little concerned about possible cut through traffic. And so I believe the compromise position at this point is to ask that the, the only for the paving um, to go up to Rosemont Place. I've spoken with staff and VDOT, and they say they can actually um, put perhaps that tar and chip to make it keep the character look of it. But I think going all the way to Verts Lane is probably problematic. I think we need to continue to that, preserve that portion of the dirt road to help reduce and, and discourage the pass-through traffic, especially when that roundabout begins to get built at 287 and Route 9. 
Um, I know that doesn't make everybody happy. I wish I could make everybody happy here. And again, this is just moving it forward for discussion. I was, I was um, a bit surprised, and so I am not as enthusiastic about Canby in any way. It, I know it's only a short portion, but I think I specifically need to get out and meet some of the folks, look at the road a little more carefully. Um, I had not heard any opposition and literally until today concerning the Canby Road, so um, a lot of the comments that were put forward did give me pause. I want to move it forward because obviously um, I want to see what happens. And I have asked staff as part of is to reach out to the various groups, both on the compromise position specifically in Wheatland, but I'm also going to personally reach out to the folks on Canby. Again, this is not, I am not in favor of, of, of paving all of Canby. This is a very short section. I think a number of the residents had reached out to ask that it be paved. And so I think that's how this ultimately made it on the list of the rural rustic roads. So, um, that is the motion. I think I have 40 seconds left, <laughs> which is never the you case. you got to keep talking just because you got yeah. 40 seconds left. <laughs> so again, I, um, oh, I guess you do. Yeah. <laughs> Had other thoughts. Um, and I really appreciate everybody that came out um, and, and, and spoke. So I would like, I would really like to hear from the, uh, the groups that spoke against the paving of Old Wheatland. Um, and also, I would like them to work with our staff to see if there's any other tweaks to this that we can come up with to make it better and to come to more of a consensus. That may not be ultimately possible, but um, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, sir. Mr. Turner. Thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> I'm happy to support the motion. Um, I commend the citizens on Old Wheatland Road. You made a persuasive case. Convince me that the majority of people on Old Wheatland support the paving of the road. Um, we haven't heard from any of the other roads except Canby Road, and so I'm going to assume by default that they approve, or at least the majority approve. Um, I have real concerns about Canby, and I kind of feel like the vote is mixed and still out there, so I'd like to hear some more discussion. Um, but as I mentioned in my comments, I, I think if we're going to include in the Rural Rustic Road designation as part of Virginia code, a criteria that a majority of the residents along the road wanted improved, we have to come up with a systematic way to determine if a majority of the people on the road want that change. Um, I don't think we've done that, um, but, uh, I, and I'll defer to the, the district supervisor uh, as we move forward. Uh, if nothing changes when we come to the public hearing, I will probably vote to split this motion and vote against Canby Road based because I don't think we made a case that the majority of residents want it. But we have some time to adjust to that, so I'm happy to support the motion. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Um, Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, happy to support the motion. Um, appreciate all those who came to speak about it. Um, I had a couple questions for staff because we're talking about proffer money that was proffered for Old Wheatland Road. And my question is, does that mean that that development was approved by this board? Because for proffer money to come, it had to have been approved, right? Or was it by right? It was by right. It was by previous, yeah, it was by yeah. right, yeah. Okay, so how do we have proffer money if it was by right? It's not proffer money. It's funds that were contributed by the developer pursuant to a by right application. Oh, interesting, okay. And a, a speaker mentioned that that money's been sitting there for 10 years. And so do we run the risk of losing that money if we don't do the project within 10 or 12 years? Because I know some of those contributions, we run out of time. If it were proper money, we 
might be running up a clock, but this is a cash contribution a different. pursuant to a subdivision application, and the Code of Virginia hasn't put a time clock on that yet. Oh, okay, that's great. So we're not under the gun to get it done. That That's great news. Um, my other, so this, you might have just answered my second question along those lines of the contribution for the road being paved. There's no stipulation as to how long it has to be paved if the whole road has to be paved or or not right like we in other words can, we can do what supervisor kirshner wants to do without risking losing the money that is correct there is okay. a <clears throat> excuse me an agreement it was in the board packet as attachment number i think five notes yeah. attachment five uh, has a copy of the cash contribution agreement that accompanied the payment. And the county in this agreement agreed that the funds deposited by that subdivider, the developer, um, would be used for paving in place 6,169 feet of State Road 698 Old Wheatland Road from its current end of paving near Milltown Road westward to the edge of the property's frontage on Old Wheatland Road, and then it references a pavement section that was shown on their preliminary plat. May I ask a uh, county attorney? Sure, absolutely you may. Does that bind us in any way to paving the whole thing? Like, can, can we do what Supervisor Kirshner wants given that language? That, yes, I mean, okay. based on that language, we could use that as much as that funds to pave that area that we want. Okay, all right, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Brixman. Mr. Letourneau. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to make one quick point because I think it might be helpful for some of the residents. Other than Goshen Road, which we just dealt with, Hogback Mountain and John Wolford, every one of these other projects is in a future fiscal year. It is not to be done immediately. So I know there were some comments from people saying that they felt blindsided or they didn't know. Well, this is a six-year pro uh, program, so these are spread out over the six years. and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the board does a check back on this annually every year. So it is not as if anything other than those three would actually happen in the next year. It is a, you know, so there is time for discussion. And there have been modifications made in the past, even if a road is in the six-year plan from, year to, from one year to the next. So I just wanted to make that point because I, nobody really brought that up, but I think it's important. I also just had a question, I guess, for Leo, um, and I might as well ask it. Why does this fall under the rules on a public having to be acted at a public hearing? Because it's not a land use case. I thought that was only for land use and development. Mr. Rogers, uh, Mr. Hemstreet. Yeah, so to simplify in, in for staff and the board, we recommended that the board adopt the same rules for all items coming to public hearing, mm. mostly because of the advertising requirements. But it, so does this have advertising requirements associated with it for a future action? Like we, we couldn't send this to another business meeting? Because that's what we always normally did. Mr. Rogers. It is, it's not covered by the new state code section. Right. So what we're doing is trying to make this simple on the staff so we don't miss up on one of these items. But, but yes, if you don't have board, to advertise, then what, what are you going to mess up on? The like, board why would you? could send it to a future meeting to answer your question. I mean, we, we typically handle this at a business meeting. In fact, if you look at the item, it said that. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, but I do worry a little about overloading public hearings. 
especially if there are items that we don't have to act on at a public hearing that are just a normal business item, why we wouldn't just maintain our practice if there's not an advertising requirement. There's not. So uh, we're trying to keep it uniform. We would ask you to suspend the rules because you just modified them in terms of sending public hearing items to future public hearings. But did our rules cover every item or just those that fall under the statute? They cover yes. every item. So the rules, have, everything uh, that comes to public hearing remains in a public hearing meeting. Yeah, I, I, I would also, if you don't mind in your time, the other, the other thing that I would take into consideration is that in a public hearing on an issue, any, any amount of speakers can speak if they'd like to. Mm -hmm. In a board meeting, there's a limited amount of time, and, and all the speakers that spoke tonight would not have been able to speak if we had been doing this in a business meeting versus a public hearing. So that's the other thing, so. They can all can. <laughs> well, no, they, wait, wait, but doesn't our rules say that we, we only allow the input at the first public hearing? But no, no, they can speak, no, they, they can only speak on one issue at a public hearing. No. But in a public hearing, they can only speak no, but if we forward this to another public hearing, uh, there's no requirement we have another input, right? I, I don't know what the new law no, says that, about this. Do you all know what the yeah. new law says about that? I, so the, the board rules yeah. would be a public hearing every time it's heard. Right. What is waived is if there is an applicant and it's a legislative item, uh, the applicant's presentation is waived. Right. Time. But not the comments. Not the comments. Not the public hearing. I asked that question. All right. We got to talk offline. I literally asked that question on this. Go back and look at the record, and I was told we do not have to have the. Full I, 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 I don't. Did we talk that by me? No. Oh, I okay. Asked the question to staff. Okay. All right. Well, I know. I okay. All right. Well, we'll have this discussion. Point of clarification, Madam Chair. Yes. Um, I believe that if it comes to the second public hearing, it goes into the new portion as a returning item, and as a returning item, it's not eligible for additional comment. Is that correct? That is not correct. It's, not correct. it's a public hearing. It goes to from public hearing. It's a public hearing. What is waived is if it's a legislative item, the applicant's presentation is not held. Exactly. Thank you. And because it's not a business, if because it's not a business meeting, we can have unlimited speakers on the item versus a business meeting where we wouldn't be able to have all the speakers that we had. Yes, sir. Uh, so to answer Supervisor Letourneau's question. This is not a land use item. Why do we need to have public hearing? I guess that was your original question. Uh, because these are secondary, right? Is, was that your question? That was his original question, but I think we Original question. It. Yeah. Yeah, because these are secondary funds, and if there's more than $100,000, then we are required to have a joint. That's a, no, this, no, this, this is the VDOT. Yeah, yeah, this would be the, yeah. So, no, that was your VDOT. Let's be answer. thankful. Okay, you're we're going to stop this discussion now and keep going, because I think we've... <laughs> this is office conversation, um, Mr. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. So Neil, here's talking about a second public input session. And we know that there has to be at least one. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. I'll support the motion to send it to another public hearing. Uh, when we get to that public hearing, I'll probably ask if no one else does that the motion be divided so that we can vote separately on Old Wheatland Road and Canby Road. And uh, when you're ready, Madam Chair, I have a, a procedural motion for the future. Wonderful, okay. Um, I don't have any other, well, all I would say is that um, it, it helps to have received all this, all these comments, especially the Wheatland Roads comment. I, can, I cannot imagine any reason that I would um, support the Canby Road paving. I just don't see that happening. I wanna give Wheatland Road a lot of thought because 
as I said before, once you change a road, it's changed forever. Um, so it's changed for people who are living in that house 50 years from now, 100 years from now. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I have, I have thought, to, I have get to give it thought, which is um, good. And I also want to say, Mr. Meeks, I'm going to call you because your house sounds fascinating, and I want to know more about the historic nature of the house that you're living in. Some give your call. All right, the motion was made by Supervisor Kirshner and seconded by Supervisor Umstadt. Um, all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any, aye. <laughs> any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Mr. Buffington, would you like to make another motion? Thank you, Madam Chair, and I apologize to my colleagues that you don't have this. I just work with staff to come up with this motion. Um, I move that the Board of Supervisors direct staff for future rural road paving projects to poll residents along the road and provide the polling results to the Board of Supervisors as part of the packet item. Second. <laughs> that motion was made <laughs> and loudly seconded by Mr. Kirshner. Discussion on the motion, Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Supervisor Kirshner and Supervisor Turner for bringing this up. Um, this is something I wish I had made this motion. It's, I've been thinking about this for years, and I just thought that talking about it during the item would result in it. It never did, unfortunately, and that's my fault. Should have made a motion, had the board uh, vote on this to direct staff. Basically, what they're going to do is go off and do a little bit of research and come back to us at a future meeting with some options that we can consider for how to improve this process in the future so that when we get this packet on the Thursday before the, before the meeting, um, it includes in the packet, uh, which we read to prepare for the item, you know, what, what percentage of the community, uh, you know, how they feel on this. Do they support the, the paving or do they not support the paving? And as I said, uh, that's something in my office, we've been doing that on our own. It's too hard for our little district offices to do this and, and also keep up with everything else that's going on. Uh, but county staff uh, hopefully can, can do this and do a much better job of it than we would. And I think it's just smart business to do this going forward and have this information be part of our decision-making process. And it also ensures that everybody, at least who lives along the road, actually knows that their road is being considered for paving and has more information and can come to these meetings and let us know how they feel. So, thank you. Mr. Kirshner? Um, I, I appreciate Supervisor uh, Buffington making this motion. It's a really good motion. I think it's really gonna be a really good practice. I just wanna say that I certainly would offer the help of my staff wherever needed during that reach out process simply because um, I think it's helpful for us to know and to hear the comments along the way. So we would certainly offer our support and staff doing that as we, address these um, the six-year plan and the rural roads um, in the future. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Um, I would say, obviously, I'll support the motion. I would say uh, two things. I haven't gone and dri dri uh, driven this road. I am going to do that um, before we uh, get to the next public hearing, because it's always good to kind of do a little field trip and, and actually drive on what you go see, what you think you know, because you always learn something. I, I do think that some of these roads are a county asset, and so, yes, the people who live there have the are most impacted, but it's also an asset to the county, and so, I look at I look at them um, like like that as well, and then I'm also going to uh, perhaps try to find some information on 
um, the accident numbers, um, be they serious accidents, sites, wipes, whatever the accident numbers are in these roads, because if we're going to use safety as, an, as a, a, a point by which we'll make decisions, I'd like to know what those numbers say. Um, I, I believe that for me, safety is really, I, I can think of no other um, criteria that should come first, um, except for safety. So I'm going to pull safety numbers and accident numbers on the roads as well, because I keep hearing that there are a lot of accidents on, on these um, non-paved roads, and I want to go see those numbers. And so um, I will reach out to um, the Sheriff's Department and do that as well. Although what I might do, Mr. Buffington, do you mind if I make a friendly, and, and to the seconder, do you mind if I make a friendly to your amendment, I mean, sorry, to your motion, to see if the, if the staff, can you all reach out to the sheriff and, and do that and see what the accidents are on this road? Is that possible? Yes, we can. can if you, would you accept that as a friendly? Absolutely. Would the seconders accept that as a friendly? I, w I would. I'm not sure it's germane to the motion, but I are you asking for, the, for on the previous motion or the one which says in future, ask the staff to reach out? No. What? On the motion that he just made, Are you, the motion he just his made. motion was for future six-year yes. plan. Your your I, I statement was for these roads that for we're these roads with right today. now. Yes, yes. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can add it. Yes, that's fine. That's once, that's once what they are. Yeah. Would that also include and in the future? For I each can do road, that and in the future too because it would help. It would help to, to know because yes, because it would help Historical. me to know. Yes. So yeah. thank you, thank you. All right, motion was made right. by Mitt. Oh, oh, I do a closing sure. because I got a text message from the Western Loudoun Station Commander who's in the back of the room. <laughs> Wave your hand or something. Uh, TJ DeLitta, he does a great job. Um, he said, hey, please uh, feel free to let everybody know that uh, they can come back and get a business card from me if you have any speeding issues or anything like that. He is your man, and he will work to uh, address those issues. So <laughs> thank you, TJ. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, all in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Thank you, everyone. Okay, we're going to do the consent agenda uh, before Madam we Chair. go on. Oh, you do have a motion. Just one more motion on this item. Everybody sit back down. <laughs> one more motion on this. <laughs> Everybody sit back down. Just one more motion. <laughs> uh, staff did tell me I have, to move to, I have to move to suspend the rules to make this motion, so I move to suspend the rules. Well, we don't have any idea what you're suspending the rules, so you may want to say why. You, Okay, okay. Why? It's a discussion on the motion of why you're suspending the rules. Um, I'm suspending the rules because we're not doing the packet rules that we have now in public hearings. So I'm trying to no send, idea what you said, but okay. <laughs> well, I, because I'm doing something different than what it, we were supposed to do by the rules, the new rules. I want to send this. Uh, my request for staff to report back to finance committee on that's this issue. That's why you're issue. suspending the rules. That's there you I'm go. Saying. That's why you're suspending the rules. That's <laughs> it. That's it. All right. Motion made and second by Supervisor Buffington already. Um, um, any discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? The motion passed 9 0, Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors direct staff to research potential funding sources to pave the eastern segment of Potomac Drive to a, nat to a rural rustic standard and return to a future finance government operations committee meeting with recommendations for a funding source. Motion made and seconded by the chair of the finance committee. Discussion on the motion, Ms. Brixman. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. If I might start by asking staff a quick question. Is it, is it less expensive to do 
rural rustic standard or is it less expensive to do just regular paving of a road by VDOT standards? It's typically less expensive to do rural rustic because the okay. footprint is confined. Okay, great. So um, Ms. Glass mentioned earlier that it's going to be about $250,000. This road and segment does not qualify um, for the rural rustic program because less than 50 cars uh, use the road. So we need to find funding for it. Um, and so this asks staff to report back to the finance committee uh, to see if there's some proffer dollars somewhere not being used um, and or any other ideas on how we might get this road paved. Um, our office was contacted in May to ask why VDOT hadn't paved the eastern half of Potomac Drive and uh, a constituent requested that it get paved. Um, there are about, I think, five or six houses on Potomac Drive. It's behind Smith, the Smith Circle community, um, kind of near the Seldon's Island area. Um, so I appreciate my colleagues supporting. Just This is just exploratory and just to see if we have some, some pockets somewhere that we could tap. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Mr. Letourneau. I think you answered the question. So this cannot, this, is, this, can, this cannot be eligible for the VDOT six-year plan? Right, because, may I answer, Madam Chair? You may answer, yes. Chair, yes. Uh, because um, it doesn't have 50 trips per day. It only has like 22 to 25, I think staff said, per day. And so it doesn't qualify for the Rural Rustic Roads But program. you want to do it to the Rural Rustic Standard anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think that's okay. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, well, because it's guess, less expensive. I guess we'll see. It'll be an upgrade. Um, All right. Thanks. My only question, I know I put staff on the, on the, kind of on the spot a little bit, but what does your capacity look like? Because we've done a lot tonight and you all are really busy and I don't want to overwhelm you, so how's your capacity looking right now? <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, that's an answer. <laughs> you, you might be talking about today. It's been about a 12-hour day today, but after today, we'll be better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My staff was part of that, I'm sure. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, we love our staff. You guys we are do doing a great job. Um, so my question is to Vida Sunil, um, if, if everything were to come back and we did identify funding, would you all be able to pave a road to the Rural Rustic Standard that's not in this program? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Ms. Kubixman, would you like to close? Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, this isn't, this is not urgent. I mean, it's, I want to address it. I want to get, I want to get answers to it, but it's not like we're having accidents and people running off the road and people getting hurt and that, that's not the complaint we've been getting. It's just that they would like to have the road paved. So, if it comes in the fall sometime, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and as, as you notice, I sent it to a future finance committee did, meeting. Without saying the date. Without yeah. a date. Yeah. And um, chair, the finance chair, uh, Ms. Umstead, agreed that, that she's fine with it coming to finance. Thank you, Madam Chair. I was just looking at Ms. Glass's face when this was all happening. <laughs> All right, so we're not gonna we're not going to say a date of the future fine. It was, you're, you're going to put it on there when you when you think it. Okay, sounds good. All right, motion is made by Supervisor Brixman, seconded by Supervisor Umstead. All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass nine zero. Okay, now we are finished with this item. Thank you all very much, everybody. Um, we're going to do the um, we are going to do the um, 
consent agenda right now. I'm sorry, the consolidated agenda right now. Um, the consolidated agenda items are as follows. The, um, the board will the following items of consolidated hearing. As a reminder, these items are being considered consolidated because there are no outstanding issues. Staff has recommended approval. The applicant has waived their presentation time and no public speakers registered to, in advance to speak to the board. Item two, Comcast um, Cable TV Franchise Agreement Renewal. Item three, establishment of a new section of codified ordinance of Loudoun County, Chapter 656, Conduct in Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority Facilities and Vehicles. Oh, yeah. Um, item four is uh, substantial amendment to the uh, substantial amendment to the five-year 2021 through 2025 consolidated plan in the FY24 annual action plan. Item five, um, relocation of the Middleburg precinct polling place. Item six, realign boundaries of precinct at 711 Carter and 714 Rock Ridge to eliminate a split, a split precinct. Item seven, ZMOD 2022-0076, the human bean, which is a coffee shop. Um, item 11, SPMI 2023-0005, um, We Wells Child Home Cent Child Care Home. Child Care Home, yes. Item 12, resolution approving the public use of necessity of acquiring certain real property and authorizing the acquisition of eminent domain, North Star Boulevard, Phase 1, Route 50 to Evergreen Mills Road, uh, road Expansion Project. Um, and I think that might be all. Um, Madam Chair? Yes. Point of clarification, isn't number nine supposed to be on consolidated? It is not. Oh, it's not? It okay, because I didn't ask for that to come off. You're, well, thank you. Very okay, <laughs> just wanted to make that clear. Thank you very much, but <laughs> it is it is not. Um, okay. Well, before you do that, are there any speakers who'd like to speak um, um, on any of these consolidated hearing items? Um, Andy, do we have anybody that'd like to speak on these items? No, we don't. Okay, the, um, the consolidated hearing is closed, and we will go item by item now down the consolidated hearing sheet. Supervisors, your motion should be in your package. Pull the sheet. All right. Madam Chair, point of clarification. Yes, sir. Um, under the new rules, I'm, I'm trying to sort out the old rules and new rules. In the old rules, if it was on the consolidated agenda and we approved it, was it passed or was it sent to the next meeting? It was passed. So if I want to have the equivalent tonight, then I need to move to suspend the rules tonight. You don't have to ever suspend the rules on the consolidated agenda. Is that right? Is that correct, Mr. Rogers? That's correct. That's yes, correct. That's correct. Well, I've got two options here. One motion moves it to the next meeting for approval. If I want to approve it tonight, like I would under the old rules, if, we, if it was on the consolidated agenda, then according to the item, I have to move to suspend the rules and then... What item? Are you talking about a specific item? Yeah, her item 11. I'm sorry? Item 11. Item 11? So, so... The consolidated agenda approves the item. Consolidated agenda approves the item. Yes, for right now, tonight, without needing the suspension of the rules. It is approved as of okay. tonight. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, so we will start down the consolidated agenda item. I will do item number two because this is a countywide item. I move the board supervisors approve the motion to be for the approval of the Comcast Cable TV franchise agreement renewal as provided in the July 12, 2023 public hearing item number two staff report. 
Motion's been made and seconded by Supervisor Armstrong. Discussion on that motion? Hearing none, all people say aye. Aye. Mr. Turner, you want to say aye? Mr. Turner, you want to say aye? Mr. Turner. Uh -uh. <laughs> that motion will pass. I don't even know yet. I, 801, I think. Cause no. Seven, no? Two. Oh, seven, oh, no, 81, you're right. Chris was off. If you're gonna, if you're gonna help me, you, you gotta be helpful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta be helpful. 801. But Ms. Brixman's gone. It's 801. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Thank you. Um, I know. do this one? I number three. I was going to ask you what you'd like to do with that one, Mr. Letourneau. I would. Thank you. <laughs> um, I move the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B to adopt the proposed new section of the codified ordinances as provided in the July 12, 2023 public hearing. Item three, staff reports. Second. Miss, um, that motion was made and seconded by Mr. Ms. Um, Unstead, Mr. Letourneau. Yeah, I just wanted to thank uh, my colleagues, thank Supervisor Saints, uh, who worked with us on language here uh, to come to a compromise on these ordinances. Uh, and on behalf of Metro, thank the board for adopting these. Um, we actually, in the time that we last discussed this and now, we actually had an individual who did jump on top of a train. It was not in Loudoun, um, but who jumped it's called train surfing. It's one of these terrible things that's out there on TikTok and stuff. Do not do it. Do not watch it. But it's happened. Um, and that's one of the items that's covered in this. Uh, I believe that one is a higher level crime because we really don't want people to do that. But that's just an example of the type of things that we did not have covered in our ordinance that we are covering now, as well as some of the other things that we discussed. So uh, appreciate it. And I'm glad that we are adopting this tonight. Thank you, Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to work to make many of these unclassified um, uh, misdemeanors uh, because I honestly thought it was ridiculous that someone would be charged with a class one misdemeanor for walking barefoot in a metro. Um, and uh, I really want to start having some conversations about how we uh, can prohibit firearms on metro and we'll be working on that through Metro Washington Council of Governments. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Um, I recently had a meeting with um, ATU, and I, you know I thought it was going to be a discussion around wages and benefits and things like that. And I said I said to some of the metro workers, what, "What's on your mind?" And I was blown away with her answer. She said, "What we want more than ever, more than anything else, is for metro employees to be trained in de-escalation techniques." I thought that is really an interesting statement that they want to be trained in de-escalation techniques. I still believe we over um, overcharge and, and over-incarcerate in this country, and I have all the stats and facts to prove it up to prove that out. But the fact that um, the, the metro needs de-escalation, that the metro workers are like de-escalation techniques, doesn't just speak to what's happening in metro. I think it speaks to what's happening in our in our in our commonwealth and our in our country to a large degree and things that we we have to work on changing and fixing and and just doing better all the way around we it shouldn't be that being a driving a, a bus or um, a conductor on a train is a life-threatening job that that just shouldn't be it just shouldn't be so um yeah that's all mr letourno uh no you're absolutely right the operator assaults uh we we have a check in on this at the metro board every so often and it's a it's a it's a much too high number 
and we do have our employees who feel at risk at times. And of course we have one who was uh, tragically murdered. So mm -hmm. she mentioned him. Yeah. Um, and so it is absolutely a real issue. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. All right. Uh, motion made by Supervisor um, uh, Laterno. Did you second that? I second my Supervisor Armstead. All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9 0. Um, uh, item four is also a countywide item. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion 1B for approval of the substantial amendments to the five year 2021 2025 CDBG consolidated plan and the FY CDBG uh, annual action plan is provided to the, to the July 12, 2023 public hearing. Item number four supplemental staff report. Second. Motions made and seconded by Supervisor Umstadt. Um, what? I heard Supervisor Umstadt, who is who we all know is the seconder of motions in public hearings. So let's not fool ourselves. <laughs> let's not let's not change things right now. We're not we're not new. <laughs> we're not new. We're not new. She always seconds things in public hearing. That's how it goes. <laughs> um, my only discussion as I read this item, it's a very good item. Thank you to staff and everyone who always works on our CDBG items. Um, any other discussion? All in favor, say, please say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Um, the next motion is in the uh, Blue Ridge District for now. <laughs> Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve Motion 1B for approval of the relocation of the Middleburg Precinct polling place as provided in the July 12, 2023 public hearing, item number five, staff report. Really? And I have, wow. I, I have no further comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Motions made and incorrectly seconded by Supervisor Glass for no good reason. <laughs> Discussion on the motion. <laughs> Seeing none, all in favor, please say aye. <laughs> Opposed, that motion will pass 9-0. Um, the next motion is both a split between the Blue Ridge District and the Sterling District, so. It used to be Dulles, actually, guys. I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I don't, Mr. Sainz, Mr. Um, Buffington, uh, Mr. S okay, I don't know. It said. I'm sure of that. I know those precincts. <laughs> okay, well, not just give it to Mr. Twin. It's your district right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. I move the Board of Supervisors approve Motion One B for approval of the realignment of borders of precinct Seven Thirteen Carter and Seven Fourteen Rock Ridge, as provided in the July 12, 2023 public hearing. Items number six, staff report. Second. <laughs> motion made and seconded by whose district is this, I guess, Mr. Letourneau's discussion on this motion. Mr. Letourneau? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, so uh, this was in Dulles, but this is actually a sensible split. The, uh, there's an HOA uh, here at Loudoun Valley Estates, and the way this is actually splitting, it's right at the HOA boundary line. So all one HOA would be in one precinct, and the other goes to the other. Um, it's we're doing this to match, I believe, a House of Delegates was it um, boundary line uh, that didn't quite follow ours, so it, we have to clean it up. But the way that they split this makes a lot of sense, so I just wanted to say that I know these precincts well, having represented them for all that time, and I actually lived at the boundary for a couple of years. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> That's how I know it's my district. <laughs> 
All right. All in favor, please say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Before he leaves, everyone should have a turn sitting by Tony one, once on the day. Just do it. Just do it. It's quite the adventure. Um, <laughs> the next motion is in the human being, and it is in the Sterling District. Mr. Saints. Uh, thank you. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion, motion 2B for approval for the zoning modification as provided in July 12, 2023, public hearing item number 7, staff report. Motion's made and second, seconded by Ms. My Ms. Um, Bricksman. <laughs> Discussion on the motion. I'll just say if you're in the Sterling area uh, off of uh, Church Road, please stop up by the human being to get some coffee and some sweet and some sweet treats. <laughs> all right. Anybody else? All right. All the people who say aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. The next motion is in the Ashburn District. It is the we... Wales Child um, Care Home, Mr. Turner. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B for approval of the minor special exception as provided in the July 12, 2023 public hearing item number 11 staff report. Motion is made and seconded by Supervisor Brickman. Discussion, Mr. Turner. Uh, only to say that in the future, I can tell you I will always approve any motion that has the words we Wales in it. <laughs> And all I have is thank you that we don't have to do these anymore, these child care centers anymore. I love the new process that, that, that they come like this. Anybody else? All right. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. And then the last one we have is the Blue Ridge District today, the Dulles and Little River District later. But I'm going to go Mr. Buffington for this motion. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve motion 2B for approval of the proposed resolution as provided in July 12th, 2023, public hearing item number 12, staff report. Motion made and seconded by Mr. Letourneau. Discussion on the motion. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. This is a resolution approving the public use and necessity of acquiring certain real property and authorizing the acquisition by eminent domain regarding uh, North Star Boulevard Phase 1 from Route 50 to Evergreen Mills Road, the extension project. Uh, this is one that has been prior, a priority for the, the county since I've been on the board. Um, we've been, I know that our staff has worked very hard to try and get this property um, through other ways, and we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, so that means we've been working at least eight years that I'm aware of to try and get that. Um, this is for a public purpose. We, it's an absolute uh, necessity that we move forward with this project as fast as possible and get it done uh, quickly and safely. Uh, for the benefit of the residents of Loudoun County. And so I fully support this. Uh, and hopefully, usually when we pass these, these resolutions authorizing use of eminent domain, we actually don't have to use eminent domain because once the residents learn that uh, we, we, may, we are authorizing our staff to use that if necessary, they usually come to some sort of agreement before actually utilizing eminent domain. So uh, hopefully they won't need to do that. But if they do, they have our authority to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All in favor, say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0, and that is the consolidated agenda. Before we take, no, you all are cool. You're good. <laughs> before, <laughs> before we would take a quick break, let me ask Supervisor Glass and Mr. Rogers a question. On item number nine, the Broad One Business Center, um, which is right now in the Broad Run District, will be in the Sterling District. 
it is my understanding, if I'm not correct, please correct me, that the proffers on this item are not ready. And so this would be pushed to another public hearing anyway when the proffers would be ready and we would hear the whole thing at that time. If the applicant wants to do their presentation right now, absolutely, you can do that. But if the, if the motion's going to be to push it, to put it on another public hearing because the proffers are not ready to do anyway, does the applicant want to go and can we just go to a motion after asking, does anyone want to speak on this and go to a motion? Mr. Rogers. Yes, Madam Chair, you're correct. The proffers came in after the deadline. Uh, we were able to take a look at them, but it's not ready for action tonight. So when you put it off to the next public hearing, then the public would have an opportunity to speak. If you want, the applicant can speak tonight, and then they won't be able to speak at the next public hearing, or they could speak at the next public hearing. Well, can the applicant come to the table real quick? Because it just makes no sense to me to speak tonight when you're, when you're going to have profits that are going to be um, in place at the next public hearing, but then you wouldn't be able to speak at the next public hearing when the proffers are in place. So I'll let you all decide what you want to do to the applicant. That's up to you. But but it may make more sense to speak when the proffers are in place. What, 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 what? You have a point of clarification? Yes, I do, Madam Chair. I think that our county attorney said they can I, present at the second public hearing. I just said that. I said, I but they said can they do can't. tonight if they want. I didn't say that. Oh. They, but they can't do both. So is the applicant here? Is the applicant here? Because, well, well if the applicant's here and they want to go tonight, we have to let them. But if they don't want to go tonight, we can wait till the next public hearing. Did you guys get all that that I just said? I think so, but I may have a question. Good evening, Good Madam evening. Chair. Members of the board, Brian Winterhalter with DLA Piper, Hi. here with Howie and Ryan David of Urban Engineering. Um, I, I think we, we would be inclined to agree that it would make sense to present at the next meeting. Um, however, I do want to ask just to make sure that that would then be the second meeting, not the first meeting, so that we don't have to go to a third meeting. The, um, that would be, well, we're not doing it in this meeting, so that would be the the public the hearing. public yeah. hearing that would be the second yeah you can present in full at the next public and hearing. that would be the second meeting so that yes. would be okay yes and okay. you can present in full at that meeting i think that would be fine it just this. makes yeah it just makes it just a little more makes more sense all right thank you thank you um the next public meeting the next public hearing date is september 13th before you leave i'm going to go to miss um glass to make a motion to send this to the next public hearing thank you madam chair I move that the Board of Supervisors forward ZRTD-2022-0006 Broad Run Business Center to the September 13th, 2023 Board of Supervisors public hearing for action. Motion's made and seconded. Ms. Glass, would you like to speak on the motion? Uh, I just want to thank staff for their work on this application. I know there's been a lot of changes uh, with this application in the recent weeks. I also want to thank the applicant uh, agreeing to come to include some of the proffers I requested as part of this application as they will make um, any future development on this parcel a more cohesive um, area with the, with the surrounding area. 
I did. I did ask oh, for yeah. I did. I did. I did. I did that. Um, all I want to say is thank you. I just I want you all to be able to present when the proffers are finished, and, and you can't do both, so I want you to have time to do when the proffers are finished. So you watched a fascinating discussion on rural roads in Loudoun County, and, <laughs> and I will welcome you back in September for, the, for, for a public hearing where you will have a full 10 minutes to, do your, to give your presentation. Thank you, Madam Chair. Okay. Um, Ms. Glass, would you like to um, have a closing? No closing. All right. A motion was made by Supervisor Glass. Who seconded this? Mr. Sain seconded. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Uh, that passed 9-0. We'll see you in September. All right. Supervisors, let's take a break because we do have two items left, and they, are, they may take a little bit longer. So let's take a 15-minute break. Thanks, everyone.
Okay, we are back. It has been 15 minutes, and so we are back. <laughs> People start running to the front of the room. Okay, um, we're doing item number, I believe, is it eight? Item number eight, Loudon West, which is in the um, Catoctin and... Well, right now it's in the Catoctin District. It will be in the Leesburg Little River District. Um, and Ms. Brixman asked to take this off of the consent agenda. So I will first go to the um, staff for a presentation and then we'll go from there. Good evening, board. Um, I would like to introduce Allison Britton to the Board of Supervisors this evening. She is one of our newest planners in land use. We're very excited to have her on board. Allison, we like you so much, we're not going to pick on you or anything. We're just so happy you're here. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Allison, welcome. Supervisors, um, I'm assuming, Ms. Brixman, you want the, the six-slide um, presentation on this one? Okay. We're ready when you are. All right, thank you. This application is for Loudon West. The subject property is a 94.9 acre portion of a 145.02 acre parcel. It's located on the east side of Sicklin Road, north of the Dulles Greenway in the Catoctin Election District. This property is zoned Planned Development Industrial Park, PDIP, under the revised 1993 Loudon County Zoning Ordinance and is located in the transition policy area in the transition light industrial place type. The applicant is requesting a zoning concept plan amendment to amend the previously approved proffers to eliminate restrictions for building height, allowing building heights according to the PDIP regulations, and to eliminate a requirement generators be located at the ground level to allow elevated or stacked generator orientation. The current proffers limit building height for buildings located within 150 feet of a former eastern boundary line. A boundary line adjustment approved at the end of 2021 consolidated the subject parcel with the property to the east. And as a result, this proffer applies to what is now an internal location. You can see on the graphic here what was the eastern boundaries highlighted in red. And what is currently the parcel area is the blue area. The current proffers limit building height to this area to a maximum of 470 feet above sea level, excluding mechanical equipment. And this location on the site is estimated to be about 380 feet above sea level, which would allow a building height for approximately up to 90 feet. Uh, removing this restriction would allow a, an additional about 10 feet. Um, the PDIP zoning district allows a maximum building height of 60 feet up to 100 feet with a setback distance of one foot for each one foot of height that exceeds the 60 foot limit from streets or lot lines that do not constitute boundaries of districts with lower maximum height restrictions. The applicant additionally proposes a proffer revision that would eliminate the requirement for generators to be located at the ground level to allow generators um, to locate either at the ground level or in an elevated or stacked manner and screen from view. The applicant further proposes generators not locate between Sicklin Road and any buildings. The Planning Commission forwarded this application to the board with a recommendation of approval and um, staff support board approval subject to the proffer statement. This application is consistent with the transition light industrial place type of the 2019 general plan 
and um, the revised 1993 zoning ordinance. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, so um, just give me one second. This is in the Leedsburg Catoctin District. And so I'll, although I know Ms. Brixman took it off of consent, I'm gonna go to the district supervisors first. Again, I'm just being um, consistent. So I will ask Ms. Umstadt, do you have any questions? Uh, the only questions I, I just have, and, and welcome, uh, everybody is delighted to see you, uh, <laughs> but um, my understanding is that the proffers are in accordance with um, our policies and that the application meets our policies across the board. And, and I, I will not complain about my good friend from the Algonquian District poaching in my territory and removing items from my district off of consolidated. I think you just did. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think a little past progressive, but okay. <laughs> um, Mr. Um, Kirshner, this is also the part Catoctin District. Do you have anything before I go to Ms. Brixman? I don't have anything, Judge. Okay, Ms. Brixman? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Wait, what did you say? Judge, she slipped his Judge, head. I've been in court all day. Sorry. Oh, you said judge. I know that makes oh. you feel good, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I mean, I support the application. Well. <laughs> um, so, so part of the reason I wanted to have the discussion about this was because I was a little bit confused, and I'm a little bit worried that we have to pass things at public hearing, and so I just wanted to make sure that we're transparent you know this might be the one time that that the public gets to see and talk about this and have a presentation about any any items right it's, this is all new to us um, and I also had a couple questions because I was a little bit confused about what actually happened with the boundary line so um, first of all do we have any data centers as of yet in the transitional policy area yes okay and then why do we have the rule um, about generators being on the ground? That was a specific proffer. It wasn't something that was part of the um, revised 1993 zoning ordinance at the time. Um, I wasn't able to find any indication. Um, Jackie? That was a part of the proffer negotiations. The applicant came in. It wasn't the same applicant. It was a different applicant, I want to say 2019, and they came in with the zoning concept plan amendment to change the original ZMAP for Stonewall Business Park, and the generator placement was one of the proffers that they added themselves. So a former applicant added the proffer that they would put the generators on the ground if there were to be generators, presumably so they weren't seen by the neighbors or that they, that they didn't go over the 60-foot I know that requirement? where the generators were going, that was a discussion during the last review. I okay. remember it was a part of the commission discussion, so that is why the applicant had that in there. Now they are proposing to locate those generators on the ground. Oh, now they are putting them on the ground. That's, that's what the proffer contemplates, is locating the generators on the ground level in an elevated or stacked manner. Now I'm really confused. I thought you said that the last applicant proffered to put them on the ground. No. That is what, that was what this applicant is coming in to change, is to eliminate that proffer in its entirety. They are, now they would allow generators to be located on the ground level. And stacked. 
It could be in a stacked manner. Yes. Can you go to the map that shows the boundary line, please? So this is Cichlin? Uh, this is Cichlin here. This is Cichlin, okay. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? They acquired this property? The parcel boundary was consolidated. So they originally, the original application was for this property, and now it's for the, both of them together? The application originally was the parcel boundary highlighted in yellow. Since that time, the parcel boundary has shifted to the area in blue, but this application contemplates just changing a piece of the previous proffers, and since the previous proffers only apply to that yellow portion, this application also only applies to that portion of the overall parcel. Thank you. I will come back if I if I need to. I do need a, a point of, I think we have lots of confusion going up here about the, don't stop my time, I'm not asking the applicant questions about the new rules. It is not true that we have to approve something at, the, at, at a public hearing. That is not correct. We don't have to. It's just that if we don't, and if we send it someplace else, it's a suspension um, um, of the rules. And so, so, I don't want everyone to think that every public hearing, whatever we have in front of us, has to be approved at that moment, because it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it just takes extra steps and maybe a, a second advertisement, or probably a second advertisement. So I know this is confusing, I mean, we, and we have to get used to it, but I don't want people to feel like they have to rush into things because they're gonna have one time to see it and only one time to see it. You can move it to another public hearing. You can move it, as we just did be, um, a little while ago, to a, uh, um, uh, subcommittee meeting, you can move it um, you, to other places, um, but you may have to suspend the rules to do that. Is that in, not, in, that's not correct? So, well, depend, if we're talking about a legislative application or an ordinance, it has to be approved in a public hearing. Yes, you can move it to a public hearing. Correct. Yeah. So the board on any item can move, without suspension of the rules, you can move it to a standing committee. Right. To have for discussion, you can move it to a board meeting for discussion, but a legislative item or an ordinance cannot be approved in any meeting yes. other than a public hearing. Yes, but but my point is, the first time you see it in a public hearing doesn't mean that's the day you have to do something with it. That's correct. So yeah, the board that, that rules, is my that's because that's board, the point I'm making. Yeah, so the board rules even say that for for an item being heard the first time, unless it's on the consolidated agenda. It requires a suspension of the rules in order to approve it. Exactly. Okay. Can I make a, can I just, on that topic, um, I guess. Another point of clarification? Yeah, and your point of clarification. The um, previous motions, when we did a consolidated agenda, the previous, under, under the old rules, was usually to approve the item if it was on consolidated and there were no speakers. Yeah. So the base motion now will be on consolidated that it's moving to another public hearing. Mm -hmm. The packet motion will normally be. No, that's, that's not, not correct. correct. So that's consolidated correct. agenda, may I venture? Yes. <laughs> so consolidated agenda, nothing has changed. Nothing's so changed anything exactly. on the consolidated agenda, the motion is for approval. Yes. Okay. Without having to suspend the rules. Right, so this item, if we had left the consolidated agenda motion I, I, and not I'm just talked about saying, it, it would have been approved. I'm just tonight. responding to the to the your statement of this is the first time we see it and we have to act tonight. And I was just saying 
Not necessarily. That's all I'm saying. Not necessarily, but the packet motion was to pass it. If on consolidated, I, I know that I wasn't speaking to okay. consolidated. I wasn't okay. speaking Thank to, you. and I wasn't really speaking to you. I was saying just in general, gotcha. this is a I, new, yeah. This is the first night of the new policy. I'm just trying to get people familiar with the new policy in general. Does it mean that if you don't feel comfortable with something at a first public hearing, you have to do pass it that night? That is all I'm trying to say. Thank you. You're welcome, Mr. Sainz. Thank you. Just have one question. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Hold on. Hmm? Oh. Mr. Buffington, I'm sorry. That's probably my fault, Madam Chair. I just now put my light on. Um, following up on a question from uh, Supervisor Briskman, just for staff, my understanding of where data centers currently are within the TPA, they are north of Sicklin Road, and none of them are below that. And Sicklin Road is um, basically what I'm, the portion I'm talking about is up near the Dulles Greenway. Most of the existing data centers that are in the TPA um, are north of the Greenway. I think there's one south of the Greenway, but it's it's not very far south of the Greenway. Is that accurate? There's none in any other port part below Sicklin Road, I believe is accurate. True North is located south of the Greenway. You knew that was coming. Just north between the Greenway and Sicklin Road, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's True North is probably the, the southernmost data center in the in that area transition policy area, and the rest are, are north, and that's the very that's kind of the tip, the northernmost area of the transition policy area, and I think that change um, for north of the Dulles Greenway came from the 2012-2016 board, uh, a change that they made that that allowed that to happen in the TPA north of the Greenway. And then the last board made a decision on True North, <laughs> which I voted against. <laughs> yes, did I. Thank you. Me too. It's still Karan's fault. Mr. Sainz. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, well, one question is the stacked generators. Does that mean, because traditionally when you see a generator, they're like, next to each other on the floor, but with stack, when I hear stack, I'm thinking they're gonna sit on top of each other. Is that an accurate depiction? They're gonna sit on top of each other? Yes. Okay, so one will be on the ground, one will be on, on top. Okay, and then the location, remind this is gonna be pretty much like right next door to Panda Power Plant, is that accurate? Yes. And, and then, so that means it's on the same side where the Loudon Water Right. facility is as well okay so and would, would it be accurate to say this is an industrial area or yeah okay all right thank you will they be on oh, that may be a question for the applicant do you know if they will be screened the generators they will be screened okay all right hi how are you um, you have 10 minutes. You can sit there or you can stand at the podium either way it's fine with us you I'll sit here if that's okay please that's absolutely fine um, Good evening, Madam Chair and um, members of the board. My name is Mark Baker. I'm with Bowman, agent for the applicant. I have with me Dave Buxbaum, who's a senior vice president for the owner's association and the applicant for the property. Uh, tonight, I wanted to at least begin by reaffirming the affidavit, the 
property's been posted, it's been maintained. Um, we've uh, notified adjacent property owners and uh, all that information, signed affidavits, uh, notarized have been turned over to Ms. Britton. So thank you for the staff and their help and assistance in this going through the process. So Allison, I trust you're gonna drive by the looks of this. So um, if you could go to the next slide, please. And hopefully this will answer Supervisor Brick Briskman's uh, questions here. This is how the property started, if you will. It was two parcels. And you see that property line dividing the two parcels on the right-hand side, Loudon West and Stonewall Creek Business Park. Stonewall Creek Business Park used to be piece of the property that is now Hayden uh, Technologies, right to the east or right of the property, and I'll show you more about that in a minute. All we're asking to change this evening is two proffers related to Loudon West. If we could go to the next, please. So back in about 20, uh, th this application has, uh, has a ZCPA uh, back in 2018, and then obviously we're amending the previous amendment to that application when uh, the owner and applicant started looking at the property uh, back in 2019 doing due diligence. Uh, we recommended at the time, since they owned both sides of the property, that they consolidate the property and unify it as one piece of property. Um, so that's what, where that boundary line, that previous parcel line went away. We consolidated the property. Now, as you know, uh, when you consolidate property, the zoning lines do not change uh, with the application. So we still have a Loudon West zoning application that applies to a piece of the property and a Stonewall Creek business um, park set of proffers that apply to another part. They're similar and they're related and um, we're only addressing Loudon West tonight. Next, please. Okay, this might be a little hard to see by the looks, at least from back here, but um, Loudon West is located and surrounded uh, to the east is obviously Stonewall Creek, which is owned by the applicant. Further east is Hayden Technologies. Uh, to the north, just behind us, is Panda Energy. And then to the northern tip of the property is Cochran Mill Road then south and west of this property is Sicklin Road, and then the large uh, piece of road below us is the Dulles Greenway. So essentially it's surrounded by PDIP or industrial-like um, uses with the exception of Kamek Brothers, which is a TR10 uh, zoning app, or excuse me, a zoning designation. Next, please. So what we're asking is to change two proffers related to Loudon West. One deals with that common property line that we talked about earlier that um, the parcel line went away, but the zoning line does not. And that parcel line related to building height, and then the second proffer is dealing with stacked generators. Um, we did pursue a Z-Core back in 2021 asking if we could place the generators above one another, stacked, which is industry standard, and staff said, we can't make that decision as an administrative 
uh, action, it has to go to the legislative process. So that's why we're here, or one of the reasons. So next, or next slide. So this is the first one. Um, we're asking to delete this property, or excuse me, this proffer in its entirety. Um, this proffer deals with the common property line, and this proffer back in the day dealt with what was residential property to the west. What's now Scannell Distribution Center to the west, they used to be residential property. And so when this application came through, there were a number of proffers set up that generators had to be facing away from the residential property. We couldn't stack them on top of one another. And so that's different than the zoning ordinance allows today and industry standards. So um, that deals with the stack generators. In the case of the building height, this would no longer apply because the person owns both sides of the property. So that's why we're asking for this proffer to be deleted in its entirety. Next. So this is the one that um, still deals with building height. Like I said, the previous parcels are owned by the same entity. Proffer 33, for all intents and purposes, is no longer applicable. And the zoning ordinance covers building height that we have to adhere to. And so that's an, ex an excerpt from the zoning ordinance as to what Ms. Britton has already explained, 60 feet, and then anything up to 100 with a one-to-one -one setback from the road. And that's what we would be obligated to do for this property. Next. The other proffer, the second one, deals with stack generators. If you'll notice the, the strikeout that's above it, it says any generators shall be located at the ground level and shall be screened. Therein lied the problem, the four-letter word, shall. <laughs> and that's why staff did not feel comfortable making an administrative decision. So we're here before you this evening to strike that part of the proffer and say that we can put them on the ground or elevated or stacked, meaning one on top of another. And that is industry standards. The zoning ordinance allows that today to be done. And so the proffer that we have, it says generators may be either elevated, uh, or excuse me, on the ground or elevated stacked, and they shall be screened. We kept the shall be screened from the other uh, previous proffer. And then staff also asked for further protection is that the generators shall not be located between the buildings and Sicklin Road. And we had no problem with staff's recommendation and we added it to the proffer. Next. Just a, a little bit of status as to where we are on the project. Uh, like I said, the applicant started looking at this back in 2019. The proffers had a lot of infrastructure that was part of this, uh, extension of water lines, and specifically uh, a regional pump station. There was a pump station that was gonna be constructed on this property for the data center, and what was determined in conversations with Loudon Water, they said, we need a regional pump station and we'd like to put it on your property. And so the applicant decided, working with Loudon Water, that they would build a regional pump station, not just for our site, but also for um, the site to the left, Scannell uh, Distribution Center, and properties part of the JLMA West further to the north. So that's the regional pump station in the northern part of the property that's there. Okay. Um, 
you've got the two data centers that are there. Uh, we also have a distribution uh, substation that's there. The pink line on the right is the Dominion overhead line. And that Dominion overhead line is directly adjacent to the property. And so the, uh, the substation that is for this site is going to connect to that overhead line, run across our property over to the substation. And so that's what's being proposed. That is, uh, there's already agreements in place between Dominion and Novec and the owner and expected energization, I'm not saying that very well, uh, is in Q3 2024. So um, the intention of this application is really to clean up the proffers. Next. And so here we are um, asking for approval of this application, as has already been stated, the Planning Commission approved it, staff's recommending approval, and we would ask for your um, favorable recommendation as well. If appropriate, uh, we would ask, if possible, to suspend the rules and approve this application if it um, is as simple as we think it is, so. I understand, thank you very much. All right. Um, Again, um, Ms. Umstead, this is your district first, and then Mr. Kurt, uh, uh, Kurtz, um, Kirchner. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not offended by that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Ms. Umstead, do you have any questions? The, the only clarification um, that I, w I would request is um, at one point there was residential adjacent and what you indicated, but I wanted to make sure I understood correctly, is that residential is not there presently, that um, the two properties have been combined under one owner, and so this project would not negatively impact any residential. That is absolutely correct. The property to the west was Gunnell. They had individual residences. Those properties have been consolidated, and the distribution center is currently under construction. Mr. Kirshner? No, Madam Chair, I have no questions. Ms. Brixman? Thank you, Madam Chair. Well, thank you for clarifying um, that uh, with that presentation. I appreciate it. Um, so the maximum building height now can be... The zoning ordinance allows up to 60 feet and then up to a maximum of 100 feet with a one-to-one -one setback. So anything over 60 feet tall, mm -hmm. for every foot you go up, you have to add a foot to your setback. Gotcha. Okay. And so along... So maximum is 100? Uh, it would be. Okay. That's the and that applies to And that applies to the generators and the data centers? Well, generators you normally don't have... At a, at 100 feet, but that's the building itself. The generators themselves are usually at about 45 feet, give or take, 45, 48 feet. So they uh, that's be, the screen wall and the generators. If are they're 30. stacked, then they could be 90 feet. Oh no, that's t that's one generator on top of another, and that's about 33 feet. It's oh, the generator stacking itself. Is only 33 feet. Okay. Correct. Um, 33 rounded up, and um, there is a screen wall on the ends. And that screen wall covers both generators stacked on one another. Okay. And some of the air flume above that, which is about 48 foot of screen. It's hard for me to visualize. I might like to see a picture at some point. That's fine. Um, Can we go to the next slide, please? 
Okay. Here on the left side is the building itself. And as you can see, there are two generators that are stacked, one on top of another, um, that you see on the left uh, view. And there's and, the wall. Okay. And those are uh, about 33 feet. And then there's a ventilator on top. On the right side, both stack generators and ventilators. Ventilators okay. are screened. Okay. The substation is only to serve this site, or yes. will there be extra energy going to the grid from that substation? No, the substation is specifically for this site. Okay. It's a dedicated substation, it's called. Okay, all right. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. With the stack generators, would the first one start on ground level? Uh, it, it is just off of the ground. It sets on a... Um, kind of a stilts, if you will, mm -hmm. um, to allow ventilation. Yeah. But um, basically, it, it is basically ground level. It's not it the, is. The, the first one, the bottom the first one, one is not going to be 50 feet in the air. No. Right? No. And there's no intent with this to put it on the roof of the building, the generator? No, you have ma mechanical equipment up there. The generators are not on the okay. roof. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> is there anybody from the public who would like to speak on this item? Seeing none, I'm going to go to a motion, and uh, Ms. Umstead, would you like to make a motion? Thank, thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Motion's made to suspend the rules. No, it's my motion. No, motion. <laughs> motion made to suspend the rules for obvious reasons. Discussion on the motion? Uh, no, this is this has planning commission approval. Staff approval is in compliance with the comprehensive plan and will have no impact on residential. And it started out on the consolidated agenda. Okay. Anybody else? Like all the people who say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass nine zero. I'd like to make a motion. And I would like to make a motion that the Board of Supervisors approve ZCPA-2022-0011 Loudon West, subject to the proffer statement dated June 21st, 2023, and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and two to the, to the July 12th, 2023 Board of Supervisors public hearing staff report. Motion remains to commit Mr. Kirshner. Discussion on the motion, Ms. Umstead. No further comments. Mr. Turner. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'll approve the motion, and I think this is a good application. Um, but as I looked at this application, and I sort of, it was pulled off consolidated, I thought we might have a bigger discussion on just voting no on data centers in general. And so I did some homework this morning. I spent two or three hours. Um, and I'll be contacting each of you in the intervening week. I will be making a motion at the next board business meeting to modify the DPZ work plan. Um, hey, Mr. The Turner, I mean, Mr. Turner, you want to save that? And, and at the end of this meeting, I will um, ask for any people who want to make announcements. But we can't. That, that's more, not really a thing we should do in the discussion of the motion. But I will go back. I'll come back to you, Mr. Letourneau. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment briefly. So, this is where we want data centers to go. There are places in the county where I don't want data centers to go, such as the JK3 application next to residential housing. And some of us that did support True North, it was because we wanted to create an outlet area for data centers to grow, knowing that we have these residential conflicts. So I see this as very consistent with that in an area that there's not residential, in an industrial area, and therefore I will support the motion. Thank you. Ms. Brixman? 
I just thought I should make some comments since I was the one with all the questions. You don't have so, to. So, um, <laughs> well, I just wanted to say thank you, and uh, I, I did have a lot of questions about it, so I just wanted to make sure I had a full understanding before I, I let it go through unconsolidated. Thank you. Um, and I, you know, I, and I will say that that that's okay. I, I think that if you know if you're going to take some stuff consolidated agenda, you should talk to the to supervisor of, in that district and, and maybe the chair. But I also think that it's okay to ask questions because these are these are important decisions that that impact our all of our constituents. To be quite honest, and if you have questions after you talk to that district supervisor, just to let them know you, it, it's okay to take something off. And so I don't, I, uh, please don't, please don't apologize for. Uh, doing your uh, due diligence in, in this. Um, otherwise, I would associate myself with Mr. Letarno's comments. It's a, it's a, a it is a, an appropriate place uh, for a data center to be located. Otherwise, I'd have all kinds of concerns. But it, but it is appropriate place, and the generators will be screened, so that's a, that's good. And so, I, I have no issues. Like to close? All right. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion passed nine zero. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, the last item was also taken off consolidated by Ms. Bricksman. It is item number, is it 10? It is 10, item number 10. Will staff please come to the table? Good evening, supervisors. My name is Grace Austinstead. I am here, obviously I am not Rob Donaldson, uh, so I will make a note that um, I am here in Rob's stead because he's moved on to another position, um, but I'm now the project manager for this. Is, is, is she new too, Jackie? No, Grace has been with us for two, two years, um, but we- You have another come down, talk to the board? We actually had her, she did a lot of graphics for the zoning ordinance oh, rewrite. Okay. So she was sort of shifted to some other duties, but we're glad to have her back. It's good to have you in the boardroom. Really want to thank her for her help. <laughs> All right. It's a fairly um, um, short um, um, presentation. It yes. is in the, I think it's in the Sterling, no, it's in the Broad Run District uh, and will be in the Sterling District next time. And so you, are you both good with the presentation? Yep, yes, okay, presentation. So this is a 8.17 acre parcel that is in the Broad Run District, um, and it is east of Route 28 and south of Route 7. The proposal is for a commission permit uh, for a utility substation distribution to serve the immediate area. Uh, and it also, this application includes a minor special exception to eliminate the type four buffer yard planting requirement and replace that with an architectural wall as well as a green wall that the applicant has agreed to. Um, the type four buffer yard is in reference to the fact that this, uh, this property is zoned uh, Plan, uh, plan development office park under the 1993 revised zoning ordinance as of April 4th, 2011. So this uh, parcel is located in the suburban mixed use uh, place type and it is adjoining suburban mixed use parcels. Uh, it's adjacent to office buildings and a hotel. Uh, the character of this area um, does, uh, the character and extent was evaluated by the Planning Commission um, as having visual impact on Atlantic Boulevard Road Corridor, which was why uh, the applicant has agreed to do this wall, as well as the green wall screening. 
uh, which is directly adjacent to the hotel that is across the street from it. Um, here's a, a graphic showing the the visual impact uh, related to this potential or to this proposal. And here's some images of the wall as well as the green wall illustrative. And I'll let the applicant speak more to that. Um, the planning commission uh, voted to approve the commission permit uh, 702 and uh, based on the commission permit plat and based on findings for approval at the commission public hearing on June 27th, 2023, the SPMI or the minor special exception is not subject to commission recommendation uh, and staff does support uh, board ratification of the commission permit and board approval of the SPMI subject to conditions of approval. Uh, I will note also that the commission permit is, there's a 60 day timeline for approving, for the board to ratify the approval of the commission permit. And the deadline for that is August 26th, uh, 2023. Okay, so, so we won't be back before that, yeah. All right, anything else? Grace, you're good? That's all, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, questions, I will go to the district supervisor first, Ms. Um, Glass. Thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you, staff, for the presentation. Um, is Dominion dedicating to the county a nearby 10-acre parcel to be used for a park as part of the substation application? I'm not aware. That is true. I'm sorry. But <laughs> let me like just say, but, but hold on. Stop for time. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, this is really not part of the substation application. It was part of the transmission line uh, that ran through the county property and Loudon Water. And yes, they are in the process of dedicating, <clears throat> excuse me, dedicating the 10.2 acre parcel just south of Vestal's Gap Park. But we couldn't make a decision based on that or not based on that, right? Absolutely not. Okay. It's already just, a done deal on it. I just want that on the record. So, okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. Sure. Start the time again, please. Can staff describe what a green wall is? So in this context, it is a wire uh, mesh that's placed, being placed onto an existing retaining wall. Um, and there are vines to be planted to grow into that metal um, wiring. And there, the condition basically states that the applicant needs to maintain the living material, the plant material, so that it remains green. Thank you. That's all questions I have. Uh, Ms. Brixman. Oh, I'm, well, I'll come, I'll come back to you. Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. What is a type four buffer yard? What is that supposed to look like? Sure. Give me one second. Yeah. So the type four buffer yard uh, is a side yard that requires a minimum of 25 feet of width. That includes two canopy trees, five understory trees, 10 shrubs, and eight evergreen trees. Uh, it also requires a six foot high fence wall or berm providing a minimum opacity of 95%. It's very similar to um, the buffer yard type C uh, in the current zoning ordinance. Okay, um, and <clears throat> there's a shared use path either there or being proffered to go there. How wide is this shared use path? I believe it's an existing shared use path on the parcel. Do we know um, how wide it is? I can ask them if you don't know. I believe it should be the county standard of 10 feet wide. Okay, okay. Could you put the map up again of, the, of where this, yeah, there we go, thank you. So, are you aware that we have a feasibility study now 
that was just kicked off for Algonquian Parkway to have uh, bike facilities coming under the bridge and then hopefully to connect to the shared use paths that would go, that is going right past that site. I, I am not personally aware, but I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome to the Excellent. Grace. Yes. We like you. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, PDOP and PDTC are the surrounding uh, zoning designations. Um, do those zoning designations allow um, for a buy right data center? PDOP does do uh, allow for a buy right data center. The other district is sorry go ahead pdtc pdtc does but it's subject to additional regulations additional regulations okay and then do we know if this area here is included in the dulles town center revitalization project i know you may not that's from maybe throwing you off a little bit but do we know if this is there's a hotel here we we don't have any formal applications in yet for okay. the dulles town okay. center revitalization so okay it could be it could not yeah, so it might, my colleagues might know, but I think that all through here, we're looking at doing suburban mixed use housing as part of the um, uh, Dulles Town Center revitalization. Um, I just wanted to make sure I don't have any other. Do you know if this area is identified as inappropriate for data centers under the data center mapping project that went through TLUC recently? This is in the suburban mixed use place type. Therefore, I would imagine that data centers would not be considered a core use. In exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Um, Sainz. Mr. Buffington. Oh, Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, this is a substation, right? That's what's That's going correct. here. Um, can you go to slide six in, in our presentation? So the picture on the left, the architectural stream wall, I'm very excited to see that. I hope that every substation has one of those around it from now on going forward because these substations uh, are being attacked and there are groups of people who are encouraging other groups of people in this country to do this throughout the country in order to bring down power um, in areas in order to have some sort of um, you know negative impact on what's going on so they can bring more attention to whatever it is that they're they are uh, however they feel about whatever issue so I'm glad that that's there my my question is it would be nice if if all of that kind of goes away because of whatever buffer you're putting on the outside of it so this green wall illustrative on the right um, would these trees here grow to cover to obscure the view of this wall from the adjacent roadways? So those are not trees. Those are the vines on the green wall. They're the, this SPMI is specifically to remove the requirement for that buffer yard, so there would not be trees in front of that side of the wall. However, there would be trees on the other sides so uh, would as part those of the landscape vines, requirements. Would those vines eventually grow over that whole concrete area? on the, the lower half of that picture? No, they would just be on the retaining wall that is on okay. the lower side of that, but not, lower half of that wall. But not the brownish colored wall above it? That's correct. Okay. Uh, and then on the other road, on the other side of the left side, would those trees do that? Would they obscure vision of this wall eventually when they grow 
to full height? I think, yes, that eventually to full height, some of those trees would. I guess my question for the applicant would, would be, would they be willing to do the same thing on the opposite side to obscure, um, you know, the full height of the wall from view eventually? So, but I'll ask that question for the, for the applicant. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Singh. Okay, so there's not, there's, what, what is this zoned again? This is planned development office park. And there is no substation there at this time, correct? There is not. There is, what is it, what, is anything there at this time? No, this, other than the retaining wall, I believe that's there, and the sidewalk that's there. And the substation is not a by right use here? It is, um, it is, it but is. it requires a commission permit. It was a commission permit, okay. It's before you because yeah, yeah. Of yeah, yeah. also because of the SPMI, the request yeah. to remove the buffer yard. Huh. Okay, I think the next, the rest of my questions will also be for the applicant. Thank you very much. Hi, how are you? Lovely, how are you guys? I'm very good. You have 10 minutes. You can sit there and, and present, or you can stand at the podium. Either way is up, it's fine with Also here if Grace doesn't mind driving. Grace, you're driving. Excellent. So if you want to go to the next slide, Grace. So as Grace has kind of highlighted, I'll, I'll leave more time just for you guys' questions. I know we're kind of late tonight. The um, commission permit, of course, is the key component. As Grace noted, this is PDOP. We are by right as a distribution substation. The commission permit is purely related to the comp plan, and it's, it's appropriateness based on the comp plan. Uh, the second item is the minor exception, uh, special exception, as Grace noted, which is purely for the frontage along Atlantic and dealing with some constraints that... Uh, really limit our ability to provide what I would call uh, deeply rooted or tall woody species. And Grace, if you want to go to the next sheet. Um, so again, our location, we're on the perimeter of that, as uh, Supervisor Briskman noted, uh, future intended redevelopment, uh, higher intensity, higher intensity uses. Uh, we are proximate to the Route 28 corridor. The other thing to note, as uh, Mr. Rogers was noting, there was a previous board move November, I believe, of 2021, which provisioned the transmission corridor that uh, accesses this property um, and provides the, uh, the power this substation needs as a distribution substation. It is not dedicated. It is not specific to data centers. It is a grid uh, component for this specific region. Uh, the characters in keeping with the Dulles Town Center uh, architectural extents. The footprint is limited, of course, based on the minimums that we need. And then, Grace, if you don't mind going to the next sheet. So the main drivers for the SPMI, I'll jump to right real quick. Mm -hmm. So there is the existing uh, shared-use trail, as Roger Briskman noted. It is already built. The lights are installed. There's electrical conduit routed between those, and that's along that frontage there. Um, then additionally, those kind of orange areas in the top right, those are existing uh, stormwater culverts coming from under Atlantic from other properties. There's a lot of stormwater that comes through the north side of our property here, and we are not touching any of that currently. And then that little purple strip that you kind of see there, that's between our security perimeter and the retaining wall, which is necessary to build this substation because there's a lot of topo fall from the southwest corner to the stream corridor. And so between all of those aspects, and the limitations, uh, I usually say buffers have three components. One is your horizontal land area. So we can accommodate that based on the ordinance requirements. There's the vertical aspect, which is the six-foot fence, which Grace noted. Um, we are, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, provisioning and enhancement to that. And then there's the plant component. So we can't do woody species, but we can do 
um, some other vegetative finishes, and that's kind of what we're working on. So, Grace, we don't mind going to the next sheet. So, for the retaining wall finish, we ended up with two vertical faces, right? The first one was the security uh, fence that you saw up top, which Supervisor Buffington was noting, and then the retaining wall. So, the retaining wall finish is we're provisioning this green wall system. It's a stainless steel cable system. This is actually shot from a system we installed back in 2020 at Georgetown. Um, and it is a vine system, as you can see, which gets installed at the base and then grows up the face of that wall as mitigation visually. And that's how that works. Uh, Grace, we don't go on, mind going to the next sheet. So this is kind of another shot from a different angle from what Grace had showed previously. This is looking southbound down Atlantic. You can see the edge core data center in the back left corner there. And then um, you've got that security fence that Supervisor Buffington was referencing up on top. We have worked uh, with staff and we provisioned a charcoal finish for that in keeping with some of the other architectural finishes in the area, the, uh, the old, I think it's the AIT building behind this. And we, also, we are also provisioning charcoal pigment in the retaining wall as well. So those are kind of the key aspects going on with that. Uh, with that item, you can see the light poles and the shared use path in this visual as well. And then, of course, we have the minimum 10-foot basically force protection measure between the top of the retaining wall and the security wall. We cannot put green wall on that. We did talk with the commission about that because of security issues for two items. One is climbing. Two is uh, obscuring or hiding objects uh, that could be hazardous to the substation. So those are the main items kind of constraining and generating a lot of our uh, uh, our needs for modification on Atlantic. Again, these are the only ones. Everything else is per zoning ordinance at this point. Happy to answer any questions. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Umstutt. Oh, <clears throat> thank you, Madam Chair. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Ms. Ms. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Madam Chair. And thank you for the presentation. Can And I know you, you just did, but can you briefly explain why there's no space to add landscaping buffer between the substation and Atlantic Boulevard. Yeah, so in general, one, that shared use path is actually not in right-of-way. That's an easement that we have provisioned within the property, so it's a public access easement. And then in addition to that easement, we also provisioned electrical conduit and the light poles behind that, and we have routing. So I can't put any kind of trees or anything like that, putting on my landscape architect hat in that area. Then we need the retaining wall because essentially a substation has a certain design constraints where we can only have so much slope. There's a lot of slope on this property. So the retaining wall gets provisioned at that point. It has a footing. We can't have anything in conflict with that in case we were to compromise it. And then on top of that, we need the security perimeter, which I kind of described the constraints there, and then your security fence itself. So between all of those components, we can get that horizontal distance, we can get your vertical, but there are a lot of different elements in there which preclude us from putting trees in due to those constraints. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you. Ms. Umstead. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam Chair. On your green wall, which I love, and I intend to support this application, but on your green wall, is there an opportunity to have any native plants, native vines that also provide um, food for wildlife, birds, or will it just be visually uh, nice to look at? Uh, both. We did talk with staff and the commission, Commissioner Kirchner as well, trying to work through that. And yes, we are provisioning native vines in here as much as possible. We did note, and this is going back to my LA hat again, this is more or less a cliff face condition. So finding actual natives, we don't have a ton of cliffs. You got to go further west, obviously. But yes, we have provision that we will include 
uh, natives, I think up to 70%, I'd have to check grace, but it, that is the intent at this point to cover it with natives as much as possible. All right. And would any of them provide any kind of um, uh, food for hummingbirds, butterflies, anything like that? Or is it mostly just going to be visual? It would be more, again, I, I, I'm doing the planting plan, and currently we do have 100% natives on it, and they are not hummingbirds. It would be more avian species that feed on the berries. All right. That sounds good to me. Yep. Thank you. Miss mm -hmm. Brooksman. Thank you, Madam Chair. So are you saying it's not possible to move that wall so that you can fit in the type four buffer yard that's required by our zoning? Based on the site constraints, and there are two parcels here, there's one on the other side, and this is part of the whole conversation with transmission. Um, this was the one that was selected through that discussion to provision the substation and based on the constraints. Uh, there's really no way to fit, and again, trees. We're still doing the vertical screening and the horizontal setback, essentially, just not trees. And we're putting vines in, ground cover, well, all when that. When you say constraints, you, you just don't have a parcel that's big enough for what you want to build. Could you not build something smaller or get a bigger parcel? We would always love a bigger parcel. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. But you can't make the substation smaller in order to meet our zoning requirements. We have shrunk it as tight as we possibly can in this instance, yeah. Okay. And then what is the, what is the power um, going to from this substation? I'll defer to the PM. Again, it's a distribution regional service so it just has circus servicing the grid in this segment uh it will be serving those edge core data centers in the bottom and that was part of that original provision that this sends a couple circuits that way so will there be any circuits going north or west from this substation at this point i, I am not aware of any uh again dominion does not prospectively build to provision we follow so so Right now, all the power from that substation is is earmarked. There's not going to be any extra power. In other words, there's not going to be any induced demand um, created by putting this substation here. Let me let me say it this way, maybe. A portion of that will be feeding the existing edge core data centers. We are not at least aware of any sort of circuits being serviced or provisioned or set aside for any other areas. We have federal requirements for baseline for the load. Substation we're coming off of is Beco, which is the southwest, south of the Loudon Water Facilities. And that's how we kind of route up here from the Washington Dominion Trail. If you look back to yeah, some of the I remember. November 11th stuff. Yeah, I remember stuff. when we talked about it. And so that's maxed out. And so this has to provision reliability. So even if you were to build, let's say, enhanced multi-use high-rise, that's a higher energy use. So the moment you add those, you need additional power for that area. Now, how much? I, we would need other people, engineers, in on that to discuss. Will there be extra power or not on the, at this substation? I'm going to defer to Jeff. Do we have? Do we know if we are maxed out? I, normally, it's dedicated if that's the case. Real quick, can you go back a slide or two as well? No, that one. You're not proposing to do these trees, right? That's not going to be part of what you're doing. Nope, just the green wall and the vines you see on the bottom. This right. is just so a it's, character. It's not going to look like this. The wall and the vines will, yes. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Saines. Oh, you have the, you have the answer? Yes. Yeah, as far as the capacity of the substation. So as Andrew mentioned, 
other substations in the area are maxed out right now to where they're exceeding or at their max amount of capacity. So this helps the region. Yes, this is for, as, as, as Andrew mentioned, for edge core, but it gets the region with our substations in this area at a, at a more comfortable level for Dominion. Um, I do not, I cannot speak to if all of it is already accounted for, but all I can say is it gets us more comfortable to where our substations are not overloaded, which they are in this region. Okay, Mr. Mr. Buffington. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Madam Chair. So I'm convinced this is needed. You wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't needed. So um, can you go forward a couple slides? Yeah, that, yes. <clears throat> so had we not asked for the sidewalk easement and the lights easement, might there be room for the trees? Okay, so we asked for it, you gave it to us, and now there's no room for the trees. I get it. Um, the retaining wall, which is this bottom half, is going to be covered. Basically, that whole thing will eventually be green from live vegetation, right? Yes, and there are vines planted. One question I had on that. You said yes, so thank you. Uh, one question, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. You said something about aliens. You said alien something. Alien species? She said feeding, said feeding the Avian, I'm sorry, avian. So yeah. bird species that actually... You said avian? <laughs> Or alien. <laughs> avian. I don't want to feed alien, avian. alien County. I'll keep my eye out, though. Well, it gets alien here in Allen County. County. That's yeah. on the record, right? right. <laughs> so, and then you explained that the reason this won't be green with the live foliage or vegetation is because it would be easier to climb that wall that way. Yeah, and that's so also... for security reasons, you don't want to do that. That's why we also can't put trees within that distance, too. We do the same thing on yeah, federal facilities. I, I totally get that and appreciate uh, that you're thinking about that. So then the next thing logically is what color are we going to make this, right? And so you're saying it won't be this color. You're saying it'll be like a charcoal color, which is like a darker brown. That actually is it. Um, it uh, some, some of the substations in, in Loudoun have been a buff finish, which is a little more yellow. It doesn't look like that based on this rendering, but it's a charcoal finish. Actually, Grace, I think we have it. Can you go up? Go two slides up for me. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, it's not in the back. Oh, yeah, we're going to the back. Sorry. Go one more for me. There it is. So the left is actually the charcoal. That looks to me brown. I will note that on my screen it looks gray. Really? It's the joys of digital presentation. All right. So maybe I'm a little colorblind or something, but... It's, so basically, it's, it's going to be a grayish color. Uh, it'll be a grayish color. It's not a raw concrete, and it's not a yellow buff like we've seen on some of the others. And yeah. we're putting the same pigment in the retaining wall so they match. Yeah. To me, it sounds you're doing the, the best you can. And you're thinking about security and the visual impact of it, and you're doing what's needed for providing power for the area. So um, I understand my colleagues con some of my colleagues' concerns, but I will be supporting. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Saines. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. So I'll continue on the conversation regarding who is getting the power from this station. So you said it's going to be the three data centers for EdgeCore. Um, and will that be all? Or would this also give power to the area, like, say, Dulles Town Center and the homes and the hotel that are there as well, give them extra power? Yes. It gets EdgeCore. EdgeCore does not take all the power, and it does provision. Again, we have... We can get up to a line and then we have to have a certain amount based on regulations. When we get there, it's a hazard, dangerous, because if one were to go out, we have to have extra coverage. So we're just basically building back up that bucket so we have it again. So yes, there is more power in there that serves the local community, the hotels, et cetera, 
infill development Excellent. if it occurs. Also from the station that's over on um, uh, Pacific, the, the Beco station. A little further southwest, now, yes. Is this going to be what voltage power? It's 230 transmission coming in to 38.5 distribution voltage. Okay, so not the newer, the was it, 5 or the higher? 500 power? is the high end, but we don't have that coming not from here. there. Okay. Yeah. And then, so this will not power the previously approved data centers that would be going on Mary's Road whenever they get built or any, any of those, like I'd say at Ridgetop Circle, uh, this will not power any of any Down area. Mary's Road, this would um, cover that growth that is expected. That Mary's area. Road yep. area? Will it cover the Ridgetop Circle area as well, possibly? or off of? Uh, I, I do not know. Okay. And I wish we could do a live shot to zoom out and so you can see the whole area. But And then just remind folks, so it's going to go from, from Beco, which is on uh, Pacific Boulevard, follow, um, I guess you could say Loudoun County or so, Loudoun Water area by um, the football uh, facility and then cross over at some point to 28 and then do the connection possibly. Is that is that accurate? Okay. Yes. Okay. And I believe that is my questions. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think Mr. Buffington said it correctly. I think he, when he said you're doing the best you can, because quite frankly, I, I don't want any of this here at all, to be honest. But it's not. It's it. It, it doesn't. Make, this is not an option for us. It's, it's on a by right use, but it's not an, in in the way that we usually think of by right. But it's not an option either. And you know, if we have to have it, and I do not want it, I think you're doing the best you possibly can with the with the foliage you're putting on it. What did you say about Dulles Town Center Mall? I think Supervisor Brisbane was referencing some of the planning intent for Dulles Town Center to be re redeveloped with higher intensity uses, multi-use development, those kinds of things. Uh -huh. And so it was more referencing whenever you increase density. So like we talk about how much power does 500 homes oh, I when it's single yeah, family. Yeah, but yeah, if we yeah. go high rise, yeah. you're intensifying energy use yeah. there. Regardless. I don't know if that's what's going to happen in Dulles Town Center more. I think it's going to something different. I think it's going to be more like a turn, turn, turned out not such an inward facing mall. I thought you said it looked like Dulles Town Center Mall. I was, was going to tell you, I've been there a couple of times. It does not look like Dulles Town Center Mall. Um, you know, I, there are times that the, the frustration about this job is doing the best you can, even though you, you, you don't particularly like what's, what's happening. And that's the moment I'm having right now. Uh, Mr. Buffington's right. I don't. I don't know that we can do any better with this, because um, it's going to be a substation, and there's just not. You know, eventually it's going to be a substation, either now or after some, you know, prolonged um, hearings. Either way, eventually it's probably going to be a substation, and so if we're going to have a substation, um, I think that you're doing the best you can with it. So, um, you all are doing nothing wrong, but I'm going to probably be forced to support this because, <laughs> because it's just how it is. Um, are there any members of the public who'd like to speak on this item? No, Amy, you? No, nobody? No, nobody? Okay. Um, <laughs> you're good, Amy, back there? Um, this is Ms. Um, Glass's district, so I'm going to go to her first for a motion. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Motion has been made to suspend the rules. Second by Ms. Umstead. Discussion on that motion. Yes, Madam Chair. Um, I, and I, I ask this because um, this has been on our consolidated agenda. Planning has approved it. Um, staff recommended 
uh, approval and I would like um, for us to um, move along with this. This is um, really important when we talk about substations and, and having power in our area. Um, and that's pretty much what I need to say. Thank you. Anybody else? I will say again what I said before. Um, I think it's, you know, that that there were times when somebody would take something off consolidates because they just think it's important to do that for their, to understand what they're voting for. And I think that's fine as long as they talk to the district supervisor because you only get one vote at these things sometime. You need to be sure that you know what you know before you vote. So that's all I'll say. Ms. Glass, would you like a closing? On the, on uh, no, Madam Chair. Okay. All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 8-0-1. Mr. Letourneau has left the dais. Ms. Glass, would you like to make another motion? Yes, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors to ratify the Planning Commission's approval CMPT-2022-0001 DTC substation subject to the Commission permit plat dated June 13, 2023 and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and two to the July 12, 2023 Board of Supervisors public hearing staff report. I further move to the Board move that the Board of Supervisors approve SPMI-2023-0001 DTC substation subject to the conditions of approval, approval dated June 23rd, 2023 and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and three to the July 12th, 2023 Board of Supervisors public hearing staff report. Second. Madam Chair, I'd like to split the motion. Um, okay, just give me a second. Sorry, I thought they were already split. I was surprised when she Just give me a second. Motion's been made and seconded. Before we split the motion, I'm going to allow Ms. Ms. Glass to do an opening. Ms. Glass. Thank you, Madam Chair. I uh, moved to, sub to sub suspend the rules and approve this application because, it, because it's ready for action. I've been working with Dominion for months on this application, going back and forth over different options for making the concrete wall more aesthetically pleasing. After examining, examining stone murals, any amount of landscaping, we arrived on a green wall, which is vegetation that grows up the retaining wall to make it more appealing. With the green wall, we'll have much less surface area of plain concrete. While putting in a substation right on Atlantic Boulevard is no buffer, with no buffer is no ideal. I know Dominion has looked long and hard at possible locations. This is the best location and substation we can get in the area as Dominion works to address their capacity needs to supply the proliferation of data centers. I want to thank Dominion for their working with me to arrive at some sort of option to make the retaining wall of the substation more appealing. And I want to thank planning staff for their work on this application. Thank you. Okay. I. Um I have always allowed people to split the, split a motion. That will not change tonight. So, Ms. Brixman, what do you want to do with this motion? I want to support the commission permit, and I would like to vote no against the SPMI. So you got to tell me where we split in the motion. Uh, where it was split in the packet. There's two different motions. There's a CMPT re, re, motion, re, 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 and there's re, re, SPMI motion. Read re, 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 re the motion that you want to support, please. I move the Board of Supervisors ratify the Planning Commission's approval of CMPT 2022-001 DTC substation subject to the 
Commission Permit Platt, dated June 13th, 2023, and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and two to the July 12th, 2023 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Okay, Ms. Ms. Glass, do you have any objection to Ms. Um, Brixman splitting the motion? No, I do not. As the seconder, do you have any objection to Ms. Okay. Does anyone want to, sp to speak on the first part of this motion? Just the part Ms. Brixon just read. All right. Seeing none, all people say aye. Aye. Are there any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Now, Ms. Brixman, you want to do a second part of the motion. Will you read that? You don't. SPMI. I move the board of oh, super. Wait, 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 wait. But you want to read? You want to split that motion into for it to say something different? No, 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 no. no. Just it's one to vote no on it. Okay, all right. Then I'm going to go back to Ms. Ms. Glass. You want to make that motion again? Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve SPMI-2023-0001 DTC substation subject to the conditions of approval dated June 23rd, 2023 and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and three to the July 12th, 2023 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. And that's still gonna be seconded by Ms. Umstead. Have you, I'm assuming you've already given your opening on this. Okay, so on this part of the motion alone, would you like to make a, any statements? You've made an opening for this part of the motion, yes? You made the, you, you have, yes, no? I'm sorry. You, you, you're finished making your statement yes, because it was for all of it. Yes. Anybody else want to speak on this part of the motion? Ms. Brixman. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so I understand that you guys are doing the best you can. I appreciate the presentation. Um, I cannot support this SPMI uh, because it doesn't have the buffer yard. I know what I'm going to hear from my constituents that are just north of here when that gets built. And they are going to wonder why this huge substation is going in. I have to believe that if Dominion wanted to adhere to our zoning policies, that Dominion could have found a bigger place, a bigger parcel to build the, to build the substation. So I can't in good conscience vote for this knowing that our zoning ordinance requires a type four buffer and knowing the activity that's gonna be happening around that area with the bike paths, the shared use paths, the, the redevelopment of the mall, I just can't, in my heart, in my stomach, honestly, I, I'm having heartburn over this, honestly. And so I just can't in good conscience vote yes on this, so I'm just gonna register a no vote. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Like, this might be for Leo. Leo. Is, is there any way that, 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 what would happen if the board did not support the substation? SPMI. The, Sorry. The substation is a zoning issue rather than a transportation. Right, the SPMI. What would happen if we didn't support Yeah, the, yeah. the zoning issue on the SPMI is a zoning issue rather than a transmission issue. This is for the Board of Supervisors to decide, not the State Corporation Commission. With, with this, if we, if we voted no on this, would it go to the State Corporation Commission? It would not. This does not go to the State Corporation Commission. This is, this is before the board. Okay. Then I need, 
little clarification. I think everyone's now a little bit confused. I think you just confused everybody up in Leo, but that was my job, so yay me. Miss Bricks, I mean, Miss Glass, did you have a point of clarification? Yes, so you said that it's, this doesn't have to do with SEC, but if this is not approved and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what are the repercussions. Uh, the State Corporation Commission approves the transmission line. So the transmission line where we dedicated right away and got the Vestal Gap Park property, that goes to the State Corporation Commission and they had to approve the alignment. Substations or trans, uh, like this, the substations that they're putting are zoning issues and then the Board of Supervisors needs to make land use decisions based on those as to whether or not that's consistent with the comp plan, which you've already decided it is, and then whether or not the special exception is acceptable. So that's, be that's before the Board of Supervisors, that issue. So if we don't accept the SPMI, then, yeah. then it won't be built. That's what I, it sounds I, like. I think you could ask that question of the applicant, but there's that possibility that you would not be able to get as much power in this area as needed. Okay, so um, normally I don't do this. I go back for a second time to people, but I think that my question led to some confusion. I know you've just cleared something up for me that I wasn't aware of. I had a different understanding. So I'm going to let people ask points of clarification just so everyone knows that they know what they're doing right now. So, Mr. Bluffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. I guess my question is to the applicant. If we voted this down and it was denied, <clears throat> would you not just either by right or, and I'm not sure if it would be by right or not, or if you had to come back to us, you'd just come back with the kind of the same thing, minus the sidewalk and the lights, and then you'd have the trees. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, again, we shoehorn this guy in here, and there are two parcels, the one, the vessels gap, one's the other side. We bought both of them, looked at both of them, because that was what, essentially we got cornered in terms of where we needed to be, and we went back and forth between them, and it made the most sense for vessels to be an expansion of the existing park. The routing comes through here. This routing is just for this substation um, that was being referenced, so there's not a lot of reason to bring it up here. I mean, we'd have to look. So basically, we'd have to study. There's a lot of complications. If we, if we got rid of the easement that you gave us for the sidewalk and the easement for the lights or the proffer, whatever it was for the lights, would there be room for the trees? If, if those were not existing, yes, we could fit yeah. the trees in. Yes. Okay. So basically, the board needs to decide if we want the trees or the sidewalk and the lights. Is the, how I see it. But yeah, thank you, Madam Chair. I, 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 Grace, the sidewalk. And uh, the lighting, I believe, is from a previous uh, application on this property, so it's not subject to this particular application. It's a proffer that's already been committed to back in 2011. We still have time. And the sidewalk already exists. Okay, but could the applicant not come back in next time if we were to deny this and request that those proffers from the previous, from the other one, be changed to not? For the, so that they would not have to dedicate the, the sidewalk and the lights. Could that be the case? Because then there would be room, I believe, for the, for the trees. I, I believe that's, would that would be possible. However, the sidewalk is already built, and I don't know if staff would support removing the existing sidewalk. Yeah. But the board could either way. Not that we don't appreciate your opinion. Sure. 
Um, no, to me, it's a decision between what they're proposing here with sidewalk and lights and, you know, some drawn out process where we end up not having the sidewalk and lights mm -hmm. and end up with trees and no sidewalk and lights and somebody walking in the road uh, or riding their or riding their bike in the road and, and getting injured. It's like a safety issue. So I'd rather just approve this tonight and be done with it. I think it, I think you did everything you could to, to bring forward something that is as good as it can be. You know, we need the power. Um, we need we need your power to be sec no. secured with that security wall so that we ha have consistent power. And you're doing the best to make it look as good as you can while Mr. supporting Mr. our multimodal your, your, your second extra time efforts. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go to Mr. Sainz and come back because I am heck of confused right now to be quite honest mr sains thank you all right so hypothetically say if this this the spm is voted down do you have another location already in mind for this for this area or no no and you mentioned earlier you can you grace go to the picture where it shows where vessel gap is in the picture please uh yeah you're probably gonna have to go to yours so while, while she's pulling that up, you said you own that property now. Is that correct? We own both parcels because that's part of the agreement that was discussed for the Vestal's Gap as part of that whole agreement. And to note, it took us five years to get these parcels and then go through the whole board routing and the SEC. So finding another property, we don't have anything. So, okay. So hypothetically, if you were to say, say again, hypothetically, this is voted down at this location. Could you say, hmm, okay, we got Vestal's Gaps. Let's put it in Vestal Gaps, but you would probably have to come back same way for for that application too or is that not accurate? i think those are legal land use discussions that are outside of our understanding leo would madam chair yes if they hypothetically voted this down they said oh we got the vessel gap which is right next door across the street do they have to come back as an application for that property or you don't know you can answer that question if they came back on a separate piece of property they'd have to come back for a separate application um, that, that I, I think that's what you're saying is the property that Dominion owns just south of Vestal's Gap. That property, which you can see there is about 10.2 acres, mm -hmm. they committed to uh, convey that to the county in exchange for the running of the transmission lines, which would ultimately dead end at this substation. So it was the understanding of the parties that the county would get that property, that the power lines would go in, dual power lines, mind you, not just to serve the east side of Route 28, but the west side, and then would dead end at this uh, substation. Correct. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. Okay. Well, your your answer to Madam Chair's question earlier just kind of uh, changed things and my understanding on, on this application. Um, so, okay. Thank you. Let me see if I can wrap this up. So Dominion has to provide power to our data centers. You, you have to, correct? Is that right? We have an obligation to serve any user. To serve an end user, whomever that end user. Whomever that may be. We whomever do not that respect may be. I understand. I understand yep. that. Yeah, that, I, I said that wrong. You said that correctly. Thank you. But this location is not a by right use for this for this for this for this use and so if we said no it wouldn't be like it would it would happen anyway it's not a buy right use what you're saying is you can't you haven't been able to find another location that would serve an end user in this area is that what you're saying 
distribution is localized. Got two minutes and ten seconds, sir. <laughs> it, uh, it's a localized. It's a localized service. So it's it does serve that region as the discussion has continued. It's not just serving Edge Core. But but again, this is not a buy right use. So if it's it, you all chose this location because you believe it's a good location to serve an end user that has to be served. But this is not, but, but if we said no, we wouldn't go to the uh, State Corporation Commission, and it's not a by right use either. Is, are those two things correct, Mr. Rogers? Are those two things correct? Uh, you are correct in that this does not go to the State Corporation Commission. With regard to by right, there is a special, minor special exception needed to do what Dominion wants to do on this site. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think so that's then, a yeah. good planning question as to the buy right versus minor specs. Do you guys have an, a different answer? Sure. So, yeah, the, the minor special exception is, therefore, is not buy right. Okay, okay, that's, my, minor that's, special that's exception. the answer. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing now. So you feel like, Dominion feels like that they have that there is no other site available that, that would work for you to serve the customer that has to be served. This is my last question. Mr. Rogers, if we said no to this, and it's not a by right use, we can't go to state corporation committee, if we said no to this, could the end user who needs the power come back to the county and say, I'm going to take you all to court because you are not letting me get the power that I need, whomever that end user might be? No, I mean, if the county said no to this, the only litigation could be Dominion. Dominion would have to say what the decision of the board was was inappropriate for some reason. Based on what? Uh, it, the board's legislative decision as to whether or not to agree, approve the... I understand that, but exception. okay. But the, but the end user could not come back to the county. Yes, that is correct. That, can they okay, not it's not a by right use. Wouldn't go state corporation committee. End user can't come back to the county. All those three things are correct. All right. That is all correct. I would say this. At this point, it's lined up for approval. If the board were thinking about um, turning it down, we would ask you put it to, off to another meeting. It can't go up to another meeting. Uh, we could on the minor special exception. Oh, on the minor special exception. But Why? We've already approved the comp plan. Because we don't I, I, we're going to vote on this. We're going to vote on this, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. Because we have to vote on this. It's a motion to table. <laughs> it's definitely an option. Okay. So the motion was—I don't even know—the motion was made by Supervisor Glass and second by Supervisor Umstadt. Okay. And first of all, thank you, Dominion. You, you all have been very—you've been great with all the—you've been great with all the questions, and we had—we never have two rounds of questions, and we did. So thank you very much. We appreciate that. All right. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Nay. Nay. That motion will pass. I think it was uh, four, three, one. That's what I think it was. With Supervisor Brixman, Supervisor. Uh, Oh, they supervisor turn. You did what? You voted aye. Five, three, one. With supervisors Brixman, Randall, Sains voting against the motion. Thank you. <laughs> like your like your hair is gray now, right? I know, I know, I know. Thank you. All right, I think that's all for tonight. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, wait. Everybody have a everybody wait. wait. When I can bang, bang the gavel, everybody can get up. <laughs> Mr. Um, 
Thank no, you, Madam Chair. No, it's not. It's not board chair. He um, wants to actually. I spent about three hours this morning trying to figure out since the TLUC meetings last spring when we laid out the data center map. No, that's fine. And we realized we wanted data centers in certain places and not in other places and maybe in third places. Uh, I have been trying to figure out a way that we can use market incentives, legal incentives, anything that we can do to try and get out in front of data center management in Loudoun County. Um, the reason we are here is because the comprehensive plan and the zoning ordinance was not comprehensively rewritten every five years the way Virginia code requires it. We were able to pass on that because every time we passed the CPAM, technically we were revising the comprehensive plan. So what we have here is we are behind the eight ball and we find ourselves with no management tools to be able to have any decision-making authority when we are presented with data center options like we'll get, either prove this data center the way it is or we're gonna make a bad data center or worse, you either prove this dense housing condition or we're gonna build a data center. So you want to tell what you I have been to trying tell. to figure out how we can get ahead of it and I think I have figured it out after talking with county staff. Okay. If we, basically you have to pass a CPAM and the underlying zoning ordinance related to data center development simultaneously so that they are in concert and you end up with a single product at the end of that process where the comprehensive plan, the zoning ordinance align, and you then have your management tools to be able to manage data center growth. I have a motion to modify the, the DPZ work plan at the next board meeting. I will send it around to everyone tomorrow for you to look at it, and then I will call each of you and happy to answer any questions between now and the next board meeting. Okay, let me, but let me, I think we have a, a way forward. So let me just kind of, so in the past, people have bought things that were big items to the board without having discussion first. So I asked Mr. Turner today to say he was gonna bring something to the board on Tuesday to make sure it's in the package by tomorrow so it goes out in the package and to call his colleagues over the, no, no the board means Tuesday, and to call his colleagues over the weekend to have a discussion so it doesn't walk up on the dais for the first time on Tuesday. So that's that, that all that was just to say something could be coming in the package and coming to the board meeting on Tuesday. All right, I think that is it. We are adjourned.